When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC New York and 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Seizing power, concentrating power, attempting to abuse power, purging and packing key institutions. Spewing conspiracy theories, spreading lies for profit and power to divide America in every way, weaponizing against the very soul of who we are as Americans. This MAGA thread is a threat to the brick and mortar of our democratic institutions. You corrupt lowlife. Hill, a House committee held its first hearing into whether President Biden should face impeachment charges. This is a countdown is on for a likely government shutdown this weekend. Democrats say the hearings are a waste of time at a crucial time, just a little over 48 hours to when the government shutdown could happen. But Republicans say they're going forward with what they believe is an important investigation. If we had a box of all the foreign money the Bidens took, it would have reached to the ceiling. The federal government could shut down Sunday if lawmakers don't come up with a spending deal. And if that happens, it could be detrimental to the tri-state area. Buckle your seatbelts, folks, because a government shutdown will not be pretty. It will affect airports, critical federal aid payments to parents and children, and even the ability of officials to get work permits for asylum seekers. This could be devastating for our state. Kids could go hungry. Troops won't get paid and the work of the critical federal agencies that make sure our food and water are safe could go undone. 40 pounds of fentanyl is found in the Bronx. Investigators say it was transported on the subway. The drug bust happened in Kingsbridge Heights, not far from where a one-year-old died from fentanyl poisoning at a daycare. A DEA agent tells CBS News' Ali Bauman why the city is a hub for drug cartels. 42-year-old Juan Gabriel Herrera Vargas, who's now charged with operating as a major trafficker. The DEA seized more than 40 pounds of fentanyl, much of which they say Herrera Vargas had been carried in a suitcase on the four train. The cartels are most definitely here in New York. Frank Tarantino is the special agent in charge of the DEA's New York division. He calls the city a hub for fentanyl. Why is there so much fentanyl in New York? Sally, this is a destination city, and it's here because the I-95 corridor is a great geographical location for these distribution networks to move that powder into mills for further distribution throughout the Northeast. I know you've asked Biden for money about 40 times now, and he said no every time. But I've been told that he has already put it out there that he's always going to say no, that there's no money at least until after the 2024 election is over. Is there any truth to that rumor? I have not been told no about the White House. No one has stated that anything is on pause until after the presidential race. I mean, let's represent the city of New York and the people in this city. And I'm going to stay true to the commitment I made when I ran for office. 
different stories in the open put together again today in brilliant fashion by my executive producer Justin Ellick. The one story that really hits home for me is this fentanyl story. One year old dies in a daycare in the Bronx a couple weeks ago and they find a guy now with about two million street value of fentanyl taking the four train every day. And all that goes back to folks is the border. That's it. So you get this Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, all out crazy, as my dear friend Curtis Sliwa calls her, this bartender. That's all she is, the bartender. And she beat Joe Crowley, which if I'm Joe Crowley, I could never, ever, ever look in the mirror again because people like this uh, filthy racist Errol Lewis, who was one of the first ever interview AOC, looked at her and said, oh, my God, look at this cute little thing. You don't care what her politics is, but she's out there with her squad members, and they're mocking the GOP for focusing on the border, mocking the GOP for focusing on the border when people are dying in this country. Forget about whether or not you think a certain group of people don't belong here, you don't like them. Forget about all that. There are people dying here every day in big numbers from drugs, AOC, you stupid wench. And the squad members swear the border is secure. They were just there. I'm looking at video right now, right now, on Fox News as I'm delivering this message. There are people everywhere, everywhere just coming across. They're not secure, not even close. And people are dying. AOC, take a listen to this station. Listen to me. Listen to how this show just started. On a celebratory Friday morning, four minutes in, they talked about a one-year-old dying from fentanyl. Some guy getting arrested yesterday with 40 pounds of fentanyl, which will result in more people dying. And you got the nerve to talk about a secure border and mock the GOP? Let me remind you, AOC, you douchebag, let me remind you that you're only five years removed Take you back to 2018, when you went down to the border under Donald Trump. And you may remember they had these centers where they were holding these families. And you stood there and cried. You were so heartbroken, you stood there and cried. And then, and then, 
did something that I'll never forgive you forever, and that is compare those centers in Texas to concentration camps in Nazi Germany. Oh, yeah. Further aggravates me when Jewish people, my sister, my brother-in-law, and others vote for Democrats. When you've got a Democrat like AOC who compared those centers in Texas to concentration camps in Nazi Germany and hangs out with people like Talib who hates his country and hates the Jews. Who's the other skank? Who's the other one? There's, there's a, one more lady. Uh, Noam, you should know this. You got Talib, and who's the other one? Another Jew hater. Uh, Elon Omar. Thank you, Omar. Right, thank you. AOC. The border is secure. What's up with these Republicans yelling and screaming about the border? We got people dying here. So my uh, intention was not to start the show with this, because today's a big day for this show and this station. And, you know, usually Fridays I like to kind of ease in. Every day I ease in. I just I just made a joke about Bernard, God rest his soul, who I love and miss dearly. But I just made the joke yesterday that when we explained to him you got to start off slow and, and kind of, you know, get to the serious stuff later. And he actually started the show by the next day by telling folks that's what he was going to do. And then I started off with something as serious as this, but I just couldn't help myself. I just could not help myself. When I'm watching TV out of the corner of my eye and I see the – AOC and her squad mocking Republicans lying about the border when, again, fentanyl is the top news in New York today. I just don't know how you do that and go to sleep at night. I don't know how you do it. I don't care if you hate me, you hate Republicans, you think we're racist. I don't care. Everybody in this audience, I guarantee you, listening right now, knows somebody who died of a drug overdose. God knows that should have been me a hundred times. Seriously, I don't know how I survived. I really don't. But I've had cousins who didn't. Two on my mother's side of the family and friends. First time I went to rehab back in Wernersville, Pennsylvania, just outside of Reading, Philadelphia. It was all the way back in 1995, first time. He sent me away for 30 days to Pennsylvania, and then I went down to Florida, Boca Raton, to a halfway house. That's how we ended up living for 16 years in Boca. And when I left, a bunch of folks who I got very, very, very close with, I lived with these people, signed my big book. And you folks in AA know exactly what I'm talking about. They signed my big book. And every now and then I'll go back and take a look at that book because the majority of the folks, young, good people, who signed that book for me back in 1995 are dead. They're not struggling. They're not going to 30 meetings. They're dead. Dead. So don't tell me the GOP makes too big a deal about the border and the border is secure, you lying bitch. And if I sound pissed, I am. But now I'm okay. Hey, congratulations, guys. <laughs> That's all it took, I guess. We're going to ease into into it yeah. now, into the Friday. Now we're going to ease into it. Now we'll play some good music. And Although Brian Kilmeade is coming up at 640, and that's always a very, very, well, it's a detailed conversation. It's not necessarily heavy. We talk about sports and lifestyle, but we do get into some of the big political stuff. So that's probably going to happen. 
But um, otherwise, uh, today is a big day because as soon as this show is over, we're going to head out, me, Lou Rapino, Justin Ellick. I would hope no, but I'm not sure. We're going to head out to Chelsea Piers, where this morning the New York State Broadcasters Association is holding their annual awards lunch for the awards they give out, radio awards they give out every year. And I want to congratulate at the very, very top, John and Margot Katsimatidis. And I'm going to say this there today when I accept the award for this show. I've made the NASCAR analogy a hundred times. And here's how it goes. I'm the best driver in a long time in this state. I'm sorry if I come off obnoxious and ego. I don't care. God, it does. You know, every time somebody puts something like that on my social media, I just delete it. I don't care. Every major radio star, TV star is a narcissist, has ego. So that comes with the package. Get over that. I really believe I'm the best driver for a long time. And I think I've got a great pit boss. And my pit boss is Chad Lopez, who for the last seven years, from Cumulus to Red Apple, I think has shown how smart, how creative, how hard he works, how much he cares in making this station the huge success it has become. So we got the driver. I got all my guys, you know, flipping my tires and working on the car. That would be Lou, Justin, Noam. I got the pit boss. That's Chad Lopez. I didn't have the car. Cumulus provided me with a crappy car. And in came John and Margot Katsimatidis. And with this car, I can't lose. That's my NASCAR analogy. Driver, pit boss, car. John and Margot Katsimatidis have done an outstanding job. And I got to tell you, two days ago we had a sales meeting here. We have these monthly sales meetings where the whole company gets together. doesn't matter whether if you're in sales or social media or on air. Everybody gets together. And Chad runs these meetings. And I have to tell you, there was a bunch of kumbaya moments on Wednesday I've been at this company now, well, not this company, but in New York for seven years. And it always seemed like there was a lot of splintered relationships. And I really feel like now this is a company that is on the same page, cares about each other, and that all starts with John and Margot Katsimatidis and Chad. So I want to congratulate them right off the top for building this and creating this aura that has developed into strong relationships and success in the radio business. Let's start right there. The station, eight awards, eight. That is unbelievable. I mean, this thing was dead. you got to understand, a couple years ago, we had four stations at Cumulus. The old classic, 95.5 WPLJ. Remember those guys? Scott and Todd, all those folks, all those great years, all those mornings. And one morning it was gone. Bye-bye. We had Nash Country, which was a terrific country station. 
the only country station in New York. And don't tell me there's not a ton of country music bands in New York. I'm one. And then it was gone. And then we had an urban station that was doing pretty well. And I was gone, too. We were down to one station out of four. Chad Lopez had to find a way to keep WABC, led by me and Bernard. We were not doing great then, not nearly as well as we're doing now, not even close. But we kept it alive, and John Katsimatidis came in and bought it. But we were not doing well. To say we were on life support would be an understatement. Is that fair to say, Lou? You were there, though. Even with Imus. I mean, Imus was getting no ratings. He was costing the station a ton of money. He was killing us, to be honest. It was uh, declining, slowly but surely. We were dying. You could see it. We were dying. You could really see it. Yeah. I mean, Noam, you you were there for a long time. You saw that, right? Yeah, it was bad. John and Margo come in, and my God, look what they've done here. Eight awards. Eight. And then, you know, Chad does not stop, man. He is a workaholic. He's crazy, crazy busy and works his butt off. Look, I'm always going to have this this um, unbridled loyalty to Chad because I have to tell you that after spending a lot of the summer of 2014 doing shows for Mark Chonoff at WFAN, with the possibility of returning to New York, it never happened doing a tryout show at 92.3 K-Rock with Max Kellerman. That didn't get me back. All these program directors would tell me down in Florida, I listen. I listen to you down in Florida. You're great. I'd love to bring you back. But there's always a but, you know. So for Chad to pull the trigger in 2016, when I know folks like Mike McDay and Milner and, I mean, I'm naming names, but tough. I know they weren't all for it. Chad said, listen. Sid's got a huge audience. All those WFN guys still love him. He's young. He's great. I'm bringing him back. This is after Don Imus said, no, no, Mike Lupica should get that job. Craig Schwab, the program director, Mike Lupica should get that job. That little prick. Oof. Not funny, not all that smart, nope. not at all entertaining. Not that good. <laughs> yeah. He was the guy. And Chad goes, no, 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 I'm bringing back Sid. Bernie's already here. He's part of the IMIS crew. He's been here forever. People love him. I'm going to put these two guys together. They love each other anyway. So I'm always going to be loyal to Chad for making that decision because when he did, a lot of folks said, Chad, are you nuts? Are you nuts? And seven years later, he's going to be sitting at our table this morning when we went for the second time the best morning show in New York City. The eight awards that this station won include Best Live on Scene for the Columbus Day Parade, Best Use of Digital Radio Pays Tribute to Fallen Firefighter Timothy Klein, who lives in my neighborhood. His parents live five blocks from me, and they've renamed 129th Street Timothy Klein Way. Best Feature, Cindy Adams interviews former Governor Cuomo. Congrats to Cindy. Best Election Coverage, Goes to Rita Cosby, Dominic Carter, and Noam Late. Noam, you've actually you got two awards coming this morning. Look at that, yeah. How about good. that? Yeah, pretty exciting. Best personality social media. And he should win this every day, every year. Not because I love him, he just is great at this. Curtis Sliwa on the closing of Lenny's Pizza in Brooklyn, which of course you guys remember was in uh, Saturday Night Fever. Best podcast. Other Side of Midnight, my buddy Frank Morano and Bill Shatner. 
best public affairs program, and this year's is coming up on October the 20th, an all-day tribute to the NYPD. We call it Back the Blue, and of course, best morning show, Sid and Friends in the morning. So I felt uh, compelled after John Katzmatidis put out this beautiful ad. It's in today's New York Post. I don't have the paper yet, so I don't know what page it's on. But there's a whole page dedicated to these eight awards and put out a picture in the paper. Very, very nice. Thank you, John. So I felt compelled last night to put something on social media to thank everybody. I don't know if you, um, Lewis, I think you saw that, what I put on social media. And I thought what I what I wrote was very nice, and I thanked a lot of people. But yet, yet, once again, for some reason, there was a bunch of folks who were giving me a hard time on social media. Oh, I just can't understand why. I thought I wrote a very thankful and thoughtful post thanking a lot of my people. So, Lou, if you wouldn't mind, what else are you going to do? No, I'm sitting here. You're going to read what I put on social media, and then you're going to explain to me you and Noam what exactly was wrong where folks went from being very nice to very critical. Can we do that? Well, sure. Take it away, Lou. Check out tomorrow's New York Post for this wonderful ad congratulating our station on winning eight awards. Hashtag 77 WABC. Tomorrow is the brunch where, at Sid and Friends 77, will be awarded Best Morning Show in New York by the New York State Broadcasters Association. It's a big honor and a testament to the hard work my guys put in to make this show great every morning. I want to thank Lou Rufino, the real Justin Ellick, and Noam Layden for their help in making us number one. Stop it right there. I mean, how nice is that? Beautiful. Yeah, so far. Thanking the yeah, three. What great. do you mean, so far? Oh, there's more? Well, there is more, but, I mean, right off the bat, I'm thanking all three of you guys. Clearly not making it about myself, am I? I haven't heard anything about no? that. No, thank you. Yeah. No, okay. Continue. Continue? Okay. Uh, for their help in making us number one. And obviously, a huge thanks to John Katsimatidis, Margot Katsimatidis, and Chad Lopez. I mean, the, come on. Smart move. Do for, that. For their amazing leadership. Amazing leadership. So now I thank you three guys. I thank the three of them for their amazing leadership. I mean, how can you write something nicer than this? Well, well I'm what? Lo- I'm looking at my magic eight ball, and I'm seeing something. So we're not, Wait, there's more? Since we're not done yet, no, we're not done. Okay? <laughs> but mostly... I want to thank myself (laughs) for proving once again I'm the best damn radio host in the country. 77 WABC Radio. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think you covered everything. (laughs) So far, I'm I'm not. Oh, it's over. I'm not shocked. (laughs) So you really got pushback from that, really? I mean, you would have thought I went and, like, uh, raped a whole village. I mean, yes, I did. I, I did uh, thank myself, and that's fine. I mean, well, you guys are great, and John's great, Margot's great, and Chad's great. But let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> the only way to be. <laughs> I don't know. I thought I did a very nice thing. There. What do I know? I was touched. 
No, you weren't. You said, how can I read this without laughing the whole time? Yeah, that's the first thing I said. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Kilmeade, Curtis Sliwa, Andrew Giuliani, Ernie Anastas, Joe Tacopina, Tom Holman, Big Friday Show. Congratulations to WABC. You've had an accident. Trust Gabo Law. Personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GoboLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. One thing I said that I would never do A look from you and I would fall from grace And I pulled what the smile right from my face Do you remember when we used to dance And incidents arose from circumstance One thing led to another Heat of the moment on your rainy Friday morning. Just watching uh, Britney Spears again playing with those knives. It's fine. Look, she's completely lost her mind. There's no way they should have ever ended that conservatorship. No way. She's she's not stable. We get that, okay? She hasn't been stable for, for years. 
since she showed her vagina in the backseat of the car with uh, Kim Kardashian 20 years ago. But all I can think about when she did this video with the knives is not whether she's uh, stable or not, but what happened to her ass? It's gone. <laughs> she used to be in great shape. Remember the uh, halftime show at the Super Bowl? This year we get Usher. And it was the Giants and the Ravens. I was there with Craig Carton. And Aerosmith performed Walk This Way with Run DMC. And a young lady who no one really knew at the time, at least not men my age, hopped up on stage with a football jersey, short shorts, and socks to her knees and jumped into the song. And men all over the world were like, oh, my God, honey, don't talk to me till after this song. And it was Britney Spears. We know what happened in your house. Obviously. Oh, my God. I'm like, who's this girl? <laughs> and then she's completely crazy, of course. But anyway, sick of her. I'm sick of Taylor Swift. I'm sick of all of them. Well, this weekend, you're going to be swifted out. I know. And this is going to Jets be... and Chiefs. What's Fox News doing talking about it? Wasting time on Jet, Taylor Swift. Well, Jets ticket sales soar amid rumors okay. Taylor Swift is coming to the game for her new boyfriend, Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey. So I guess that's the only way they can get it's a big deal. To go to the game. <laughs> no, no, they, they would get people anyway. The Chiefs, they won the Super Bowl. You get to see Pat Mahomes and these guys. But something tells me, me and Brian Kilmeade, who's coming up next, we may bring up Taylor Swift. I don't know. We'll see. Traffic with Joe Nolan talking about the Jets is coming up next. Right now, it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and get the max out of mini. Today's minicast is for Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. Search keyword prostate cancer on 77wabcradio.com and the 77wabc radio app. Here, our guy, part of our award-winning team, Noam Layton, talks with Rudy Giuliani. One, one last thing, Mayor. So what are the tests that I want to go when I go to the doctor? What am Just I asking? To, Just ask the doctor for a PSA test. Okay. Uh, he's going to say PSA digital rectal exam. Do the whole thing. If not, see if he'll just do the PSA test. He may. Some doctors will do that. People object to the PSA test because it's over-inclusive. But as far as I can tell, it's over-inclusive in the right way. In other words, it's not going to miss prostate cancer, but too often. It's going to more often give you a false positive. Yeah, Go get the damn test. Yeah. I mean, what are you, some kind of a sissy? Yeah. <laughs> that's the message right there. Thank you very much, Mayor. I appreciate right, your you. time. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Elk here with your bottom of the hour. Sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com to find a dealer near you. There, the world's best footballers. Got to start in Green Bay here where the Packers welcome in the Detroit Lions for the NFL's Week 4 kickoff on Thursday night football, only to get steamrolled by a score of 34-20 to by Detroit. Lions are for real. Yeah, the Lions are good. Almost made the playoffs last year. Dan Campbell had a great year. And this kid, Jared Goff, the Lions quarterback, don't forget. He's not a kid anymore. He's a vet. That's right, and he quarterbacked the Rams to the Super Bowl against yeah. Tom Brady just a couple of years ago. Yeah. He got traded for Matt Stafford, who won a Super Bowl not <laughs> right. long after. Right. But look out for the 3-1 and one Detroit Lions. Jared Goff has been to a Super Bowl. 
That team is for real. Yeah, and I like Dan Campbell as a head coach. He uh, He's great on the sideline. Packers, for that matter, moved to an even 2-2 two and two on the still young season. Looking ahead to local, local action this weekend in the NFL. The Jets are 9.5-point home underdogs. Sunday night against the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs. That kickoff is set for 8.20 p.m. The Giants have the lone Monday night slot this week, welcoming in the Seattle Seahawks for an 8.15 p.m. kickoff as one-and-a-half-point home underdogs there. You know what's funny about that game? What's that? Who's the quarterback for the Seahawks? Uh, uh, Geno Smith. Right. He was drafted by who? The Jets. Correct. But who did he end up playing for after the Jets? Uh, Man, he jumped around. I'll give you a hint. Eli Manning had this oh, the value. Giants, yeah. How about he that? was the guy that they, the Giants, Ben McAdoo, that moron, decided to bench Eli Manning against right. the Oakland Raiders. I remember that. And Geno Smith <laughs> was the starting quarterback that day for the Giants. Yeah. And now he's in Seattle, That's got so a funny. ton of money for Pete Carroll, taking on the Giants on Monday night. Yeah, resurgence in the in the career of Geno Smith. College football to look forward to tonight. Four games on the slate, but the only notable, you got number 10, Utah, at 19, Oregon State. Oregon State, three-and-a-half point. Uh, favorites there. That's a 9 p.m. kickoff. Tomorrow, starting at noon, 8 USC, 21.5 point favorites at Colorado. Number one, Georgia, 14.5 point favorites at Auburn. That's a 3.30 p.m. kickoff. Other 3.30 p.m. kickoff notables, two Michigan, 17.5 point favorites at Nebraska. Number 24, Kansas at number three, Texas. Texas in that one, 16.5 point favorites. And then Rutgers, 3-1 and one on the year so far. They'll welcome in Wagner also at 3.30 p.m. Lastly on the diamond, the Yankees lose 6 to nothing to the Blue Jays and the Mets. They get uh, all the way to the ninth inning, losing 2-1 to one to the Marlins before a three-hour rain delay turned into a postponement. So they'll resume that game on Monday afternoon. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Another rainy day here in New York City, Friday. Thank God the weather next week calls for 70, sunny, two days in the 80s, believe it or not. I'm going back to the beach. That's why I moved to the beach. But today, relatively gloomy, although it is awards day here at WABC. And one of our great shows, and why we win awards every year, is the man that follows me 10 a.m. every weekday morning, also a star at Fox News, Fox and Friends, and his own terrific show, 9 p.m. Saturday nights, One Nation. He is the king of Massapequa, Brian Kilmeade. Good morning, Brian. Yes, now that Rex Uerman's been jailed, I have taken yes. over the mantle. Yeah, that's quite a comparison. <laughs> It's unbelievable, right? I mean, this guy was in court this week, too. He was in court this week, and his wife wants to keep the guns, about 200 guns. I guess she needs the money. So, you know, I, I actually spoke to Brian Bolding a couple of weeks ago. He, of course, is a big NFL guy, and I put him in the equation, the Boldingers, the Baldwins, the Kilmeads, sure. and all of you guys lose to uh, Rex Uriman. Sorry. Sadly. Uh, yeah. I think you're right. But what about the girls' softball team that won the Little League World Series? How about that? Doesn't that put that above at all? Nobody but you in the whole world knows about that. Nobody. Not <laughs> even the parents of these young girls. <laughs> no, no, they do. They came and did our show. Oh, God. Uh, no, that's, that's not. Happened. Also, it's, it's at the demise of soccer. Soccer was king 
in New York, the girls who won all these championships, so now they're playing softball. We've got to stop these Massapequa girls from using their hands. No, you're right about that. And talking about girls, because <laughs> I have a feeling you're going to talk about this uh, coming up on your show later on this morning. You know, I, uh, I'm okay with the glitchy halftime shows. I'm okay with, you know, ball clubs doing stuff for kids in between innings. I do like all that stuff. You know, the real sports diehards, guys like my buddy Joe Beningo, they hate that stuff. But I got to tell you, if I see one more picture of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, and to make it worse, the Chiefs are here in New Jersey on Sunday night by the lousy Jets, it makes it even worse. And I know that there's actually more people watching the games. They're selling his jerseys. So the idea that Taylor Swift is not appealing to Americans is wrong. I, I can prove that just by uh, jersey sales. But my God, am I sick of it. How about you? I'm stunned. I mean, for number one, I know she's talented and, and she's nice and, and she has a lot, inspires a lot of uh, girls. I've never seen somebody so more, more popular. I think she's got a really good voice, puts on a good show. I just don't get the mania. I have nothing against her. But she right now is one of the most popular people in the world, yeah. and she's going to be there just to see Zach Taylor. Um, uh, excuse me, uh, Zach Wilson. Yeah, Zach so Taylor happens to, to be Zach, the head, Zach Taylor is the coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, so it is an NFL name. You're not all that far off. <laughs> right. I mean, that that's the key. So more pressure on this guy to perform. The Chiefs evidently have seen so little of the Jets' offense because they're not on the field. They have no idea what to defend. So Aaron Rodgers yelling at the team saying, guys, stop arguing on the sidelines. So uh, it's been embarrassing. I mean, this team was the hit after hard knocks. They lose Aaron Rodgers. They don't even have, I mean, for Namath to open up on him like that, I can't believe it. He's like, Namath is like the nicest guy you'll ever meet. And he basically told him to quit football. No, he did, and then he wanted the uh, Jets to fire everybody. He asked for Woody Johnson to fire the head coach, Robert Sala, fire Douglas, the GM, on the Michael K show that was. And you're right, for the better part of 50-plus years since Joe Namath and the Jets beat the Colts in Super Bowl three, Namath has been quiet about horrible Jet teams. But you, you know what happened here? This was... Huge expectations. Uh, some people fall into the trap of comparing this Jet defense to the 85 Bears, which is ridiculous. Aaron Rodgers is here. This was going to be the year. And one injury now, and this team goes from a team with Super Bowl expectations to, quite frankly, a bad football team. Even Joe Namath can't handle it. And I'm a Giant fan, but I'm not a Jet hater. I, I, I hate what has happened. I think Robert Sala is one of the best coaches in the league. I think that he is staying, trying to do the best he can uh, with Wilson. Remember, if the, and you know this better than anyone, Sid, if they did not get Rodgers, there is no way they start the season with Wilson. There's no way. The guy couldn't even get on the field at the end. He was shot. The team, he had lost the locker room, but he was going to train after a guy, uh, under a guy he idolized through most of his youth. They were friends anyway. So this would have been a year and a half, two years to, to watch. So now he's in the game, and, and the Jets are going, who put him in? <laughs> they have, they literally have no option. So, yeah, so now they got to go get, I don't know, go get, get Matt Ryan? No, he said Matt no, Ryan no, could no, probably no, save no. the season. No, Matt Ryan is making millions and millions of dollars at Fox doing football analysis. He's already said no. He gets paid a lot of money not to get hit on Sunday mornings. They're not getting Matt Ryan. Tom Brady's not coming back. So the names you hear are Trevor Simeon, Colin Kaepernick, these guys are not delivering a championship either. So bad news for the Jets. They're double-digit underdogs against Kansas City at home Sunday night.
eight. Look for the Jets to go to one and three. As for the Giants, they also may go one and three. They've got Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks Monday night in New Jersey. But yesterday, I spent 30 minutes on this show. I had him for 30 minutes talking to Mayor Eric Adams. It was the first time me and Eric talked on air, Brian, in almost two months. Because the last couple of months, I've been very critical. It got back to the mayor. He wasn't very happy about it. He thought I took some personal shots. But he's a good guy. He's kind of like Trump. You know, Trump goes on CNN. Trump goes on with Kirsten Welker. Same thing with Eric. He's a Democrat mayor, but he goes on with me on a very conservative station. And I threw it all at him. All of it. Like for this, for example. Why would you go to court? Okay. If you, if you don't like the right to shelter, okay, which makes you have to house these migrants. And now you've won a decision that says, no. You don't have to do that anymore. You're not obligated to do it. Why would you go to court to overturn that? And his answer basically was, well, listen, I still have to take care of these people. They came here like your grandparents, my grandparents. I said, Eric, no, they didn't. It's not true. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I mean, wait a second. You just informed me of something I didn't know. So he got a court ruling in his favor and is putting in. He wants to put right to shelter back. Yes. uh, Nicole Maliotakis, I actually played the quote. For Maliataka, she asked me the question. She said, the mayor is coming up. Can you ask him this? And initially, Eric Adams was angry. This is all on air, that I was delivering a message for Nicole. He's like, well, why won't Maliotakis just call me herself? That's the problem in today's politics. Why don't these people just call me themselves? If Inna Vernikoff is, is nervous that migrants are going to Manhattan Beach in Brooklyn, if Nicole Maliotakis is talking about a court case, why won't they call me themselves? And after he did that, then he said, listen, I still have a responsibility to these people, just like your grandparents and great-grandparents. I'm not going to allow these people to be treated unfairly. And no matter what the court says, that's my job. No, it isn't. Uh, if you want to treat the people we have here, uh, I, okay, I'll make a case uh, either way. But you're going to understand we're getting another 200,000 in, in less than a year. Because they're letting these Venezuelans go to work. They're not going to pay attention to the July 31st cutoff, nor will New York. We're busting them from the hotel room we're putting them up to so their maid service can get in there and change their sheets. And then we bring them downtown to an office we are renting on behalf of the city so they could do their job interview and get their resume together to get a job. That is going to do nothing but to get people out of that hellhole, which is now Venezuela, and get them here. Does he not understand that? I don't think he does. And again, I like him. He's a good guy, but he's completely lost. And I think that part of the reason is, is that he's trying to appease way too many people, maybe even on both sides. And when you do that, you just can't win. I mean, look, Brian, the great Brian Kilmeade, look what we're seeing in New York this week. I brought up to the mayor Target leaving, how that hurts us. Another major retail operation. He said, well, Amazon is coming. And I said, what about what's going on at these daycares? First, you got go, well, actually, second, you got ghost guns. Then we're not that far removed from a one-year-old dying from a fentanyl overdose. And now it turns out nearly $2 million worth of drugs in that daycare. What is going on in the Bronx with these daycares? And he basically said, well, it's, it's a bad thing. We're investigating it. And I guess we'll fix it. I guess. <laughs> I know. I mean, look, do I blame him for the daycare now? Uh, but does he understand that when, when you have the border wide open, fentanyl gets here and it ends up in the Bronx because it's going to go the path of least resistance, the least scrutiny. Now there's going to be a little bit more, maybe temporarily. 
of the people. I just love that Governor Abbott came here, spoke at the Manhattan Institute, came into Fox, did three shows, three or four shows, did our Fox and Friends too. And now he praised Hoko and Adams for finally putting some pressure on Biden. But he went right in, took the questions. You guys are going to blame me for this? You know how many people I've sent here? 15,000. You know how many you got? Over 100,000. Somebody else is dropping them into your state. And know who it is? Joe Biden. He's not even telling you. At least I'm telling you. We're bringing them right to Port Authority where you're greeting them with, uh, I guess, iPhones. So, so at least we told you, blame the president. Well, to Eric Adams, uh, in his defense, he actually did on my show yesterday blame the president and everybody else around him. He said not just the president, but the whole administration. So that may explain why when Biden was here the week of the U.N., he refused to meet with the mayor. So, I mean, Eric did say some things yesterday that were pretty good, and he said some stuff that would make people like you very, very frustrated. Either way, let's get to the big national story. That is the very real possibility, if not probability, we are staring this weekend at a government shutdown. I just saw something locally here, Brian, where they talked about the devastating effects airport closures, no federal aid money, and, of course, even the guys down at the border, those Border Patrol guys, they may stop showing up. So two questions here. You're all over this thing on Fox News. A, do you think it's going to happen? And B, how bad could it be for cities like New York? It's unbelievable that we got to this place. I have no idea about the the shutdown and the ripple effects because they could pay the people that they want. Other people say, well, you know what, these city workers, these these, uh, federal workers – They're going to get their back pay, so they might as well go take a vacation and enjoy it. I do not know the ripple effects of the shutdown between the debate going on right now, between everything else happening, and to see these guys fight each other on the Republican side. What an embarrassment. It's like when you see a family fight in a crowded restaurant. You go, wow, that family's falling apart. And guess what? The Republicans are telling the Democrats and the the national audience, we can't handle the majority. They only had five seats. They think it's about Andy Biggs and Matt Gates and Matt Rosendale, when who are all in safe seats and acting like they're taking a courageous stand. Instead of going in and doing what's necessary to fund the government and then push for the appropriations bill, which will begin to get our financial house in order. But just going home with the ball, knowing that the people in your district don't care, but the country will shut down. It's it's inexcusable. And it and sadly, I think it's par for the course. And Republicans only, this is not a stretch, Republicans should only blame Republicans. No, you're right. This is not even a Republican versus Democrat fight. This is Republicans versus Republicans. And they've left my buddy there, Kevin McCarthy, out to dry. Talking about Republicans, one last thing. You guys spent a lot of time, I watched out of the corner of my eye, talking about that debate yesterday. I get it. It was on Fox. But that was an embarrassment, too. And i got to tell you, I didn't watch one second of it. And I woke up yesterday morning. It's my job. And I watched the clips of stupid, fat Chris Christie calling Donald Duck, uh, Donald Trump, Donald Duck, and Vivek yelling and screaming at Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis sweating on stage for about two hours. But i got to tell you, man, if you're a Republican, you got to thank God, thank God that indictments and all, Donald Trump is going to be the guy to get that nomination because the folks on stage, those seven people the other night, that was embarrassing, every one of them. Mm. I don't think it was the best debate in the world, but I thought that Ron DeSantis came off like this DeSantis hit won the election twice. You know, the same thing. He's not going to have the million-dollar smile of Barack Obama, the charm of Bill Clinton, the 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 folksiness of George Bush. That's not going to be him. 
but I think he answered the questions with substance. He was able to say, this is the way I would do it. I don't love his answer on the border. I'm going to just send Green Berets into Mexico. I don't <laughs> love his answer in Ukraine, even though you're, you're done with Ukraine. I'm not. Uh, I don't want to quit another country uh, for no reason. But I don't love that answer. But for the most part, you gave me the rules and you told these guys to win. But at, at one point, and we do this every day. You're going to go engage. You'll bring people in at Sid and Friends. You'll bring people in that disagree with you. But at one point when you're arguing, you have to think about the listener and you have to be quiet. You know, okay, listen, we're talking over each other. I'm going to lay out after maybe five seconds. These guys didn't stop for about a minute and a half where we couldn't make out one word they were saying. Nobody had a sense that they, nothing they were saying was coming across. And I was astounded by that. It was very amateurish and uh, really more like watching The View. <laughs> I expect that from Behar Hosting. The biggest and story Goldberg. this week, though, that nobody's talking about, and I'm trying to, you know, Arthur Idella or somebody, uh, I got to talk to them. That what they are doing to Trump, out of all the cases, all of them, every single one, documents on down, this is the worst. Ladies and gentlemen, if you think love Donald Trump or dislike him, you should be scared about what's happening. They are targeting this man and his. 50-year career, the buildings that he has bought, the financing that he has worked out, um, the golf courses that he's curated, everything. They're going after him for no reason, saying he inflated the worth of his properties to get loans and insurance deals that have been paid off and are continuing to be paid off with no complaint. You targeted him, looked for something, found something, and now you might even take the Trump Tower and everything and put into receivership while inadequately assessing these properties. And now suddenly, you know more than the Forbes list, this lunatic Democratic judge who ran unopposed. And you're going to take his stuff away because you think he inflated the worth of his properties. When you said Mar-a-Lago is worth $18 million, on the Palm Coast, an empty lot is worth $18 million. This thing is worth $300 million. And no banks and insurance agents or contractors are complaining. Sid, I am outraged by this. And now next week you're going to see the family come in. And this is insanity. Glad you said that. And, uh, yes, uh, Eric, Donald Jr., his sons, everybody involved in this. I actually walked past uh, 40 Wall Street. He's still down by Hanover Square. And when my son was a little boy, Gabriel, we lived there, and his Dwayne Reed, his pharmacy, was upstairs on 40 Wall Street, one of my favorite Donald Trump buildings. I walked by a couple of days ago, took a picture, and put on Truth Social, Donald Trump social media, F. Letitia James, but I spelled it out. This building will always be Donald Trump's. Trump Tower will always be Donald Trump's. And New York will always be Donald Trump. But you're exactly right. This is disgusting. There's no victim here. In fact, the banks, they are thrilled to death. One bank alone made $250 million on interest payments alone. This is absolutely ridiculous. But uh, because we're running out of time here, I do want to get to your great guest list coming up. 9 p.m. Saturday night's One Nation Fox News. Who are we looking at tomorrow night, buddy? Charles Payne going to kick off and find out why well, we're losing one in Harlem, but nine Target stores because the crime's been overrun. 200 uh, CVSs are closing up. These are the inner cities that need them most. We're going to talk to, uh, we're going to talk to uh, Jamie Lissau. Uh, we have a surprise there. He's one of the America's Outstanding Comedians. Uh, we're also going to have Shannon Bream on. So it's going to be a big show. Also, is the American dream dead? It is not. Seven out of ten listening to us right now say it isn't. But you'll be shocked on what the American dream looks like. Todd Rose did a two-year study on it. 
It is fascinating. You're going to have fun. You're going to be informed. And you're going to make America a greater, a better place if you if you decide to watch 9 o'clock on Saturday night. I agree. It's a great show. One Nation, 9 p.m. Saturday night. By the way, last time I did your radio show a couple of weeks ago, I was in the lobby at Fox News. And the guy I saw downstairs, Charles Payne, big fan of this show as well. Hey, you're the best. Uh, enjoy He's a, a great weekend. Thank you so much, Brian. Congratulations Kennedy. on your award, uh, Sid. So earned. So well earned. It's one of the best shows in America. Certainly the best in New York. And uh, and I hope you get a big raise after getting that big trophy. Oh, God, I love you. I really do love you. I mean that sincerely. Thank you, Brian Kilmeade. Have a great weekend. Seriously, what an One accomplishment. Nation. Thank you. Go Thank get him, Sid. Thank you, Brian. There he is, my man. He is so terrific, folks, whether it's Fox and Friends on Fox News, his own show, One Nation, 9 p.m. on Fox News on Saturday nights, or right here after me every weekday morning on WABC at 10 a.m. He's a terrific guy, a brilliant talent, my friend Brian Kilmeade. Hour number two on this Friday morning of Sid and Friends in the Morning, coming your way. Is Sid and Friends in the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. I'm wishing on a star. wake up on a Friday morning and they try to figure out what's like the biggest cuisine, courgette, what girl in what Cadillac on 86th Street circa 1985 is doing what, well, what song is playing in the background. And that's all for Curtis, because Curtis, even though he's um, not Italian, part, part, remember, I'm a mutt. Part, yeah. part, part eight. Yeah. My mother, Francesca. They, and who was a lovely lady, God rest her soul. I yeah. met her, I loved her. But that's, uh, uh Curtis. He's Canorsi, he's Cougine, he's all that stuff. And Brooklyn, I figured he would Brooklyn. Love. Do you love that song? That oh, Rose Royce. Yeah. <laughs> oh, know. I love it. He knows Rose Royce. Oh, oh that's so great. great. These songs, you just can't replicate them. I totally agree. Of course, that is the voice that gets big ratings noon to one every weekday afternoon. Huge ratings all weekend long doing now, overnights. Now, we have to, uh, Correct people out there probably thinking, wait, he just talked at Fleetwood Cadillac and Eldorado Cadillac. Did he say Rolls Royce? No. Rolls. Right. R-O-S-E. Like Kate Winslet's character. Exactly. Titanic Rolls. Incredible song. And last night I was in that situation as I was outside of St. John's Villa Academy 
for the victory. Congratulations. No. Did all the people show up, Johnny Tobacco, oh, Scott Lebedo, Lou Gellarmino, all the rebels? They were all there. And let me tell you something. Your interview with Eric Adams became the source of John Tobacco's presentation. Oh, yeah. He directed everybody. He said, look, 770 a.m., you got to listen all day, but especially in the morning to sit and the rip and read of Curtis uh, at noon. He said he was magnificent because he boxed Eric Adams in. He used our successful lawsuit and said to the mayor, why would you continue to resist when these folks have gone to the, the wall and proved your contention the right to shelter should only be for actual New Yorkers and not foreigners. Well, I appreciate John they Tobacco. Man, you and, they mentioned you at least no, four or five I, times. I, I, I love John Tobacco. He does listen every morning. He's a rabid listener, and he's a terrific guy. He's a great TV host at Newsmax. He's, he's a smart guy. But to be fair, while I appreciate uh, all the kudos, that specific question that I asked the mayor, and I did box him in, was asked earlier in the day by Nicole Maliotakis, Proud Staten Island congresswoman. Yes, yes, she did. So she does deserve a lot of that credit, too. Definitely, but they listen to WABC every day. When I mentioned John Katzmatidis, he got actually the biggest round of applause. How about that? Because they understand to find out what's going on with the illegal alien invasion in our, our tri-state area. The only place you can find out anything is WABC. Well, well that's because of you. Let's be honest. And, and the, the, the stuff you do with me every morning is a very high-rated segment. People love it. I get stopped every day. I love you and Curtis. You're Rip and Reed every noon. You're the reason for that. Your deep dives, you and Nancy, all the great work you've done. So let me go back to that interview that John Tobacco brought it up, me and Eric Adams yesterday. 99% of the folks uh, said it was great. You asked all the right questions. There's always that 1%, oh, Sid, softball. If you thought that was a softball interview, you're a moron. I mean, the, me... the, the, the idea is not to disrespect the guy, beat the guy over the no, head, no, no. tell him he's got blood on his hands, he doesn't come back. That was a very hard-hitting interview. How did you think Eric Adams did? Let me, let me tell you something. You got on that fishing boat in Sheepshead Bay, right near Manhattan Beach. We'll get into that uh, in a moment. And you had your six-pack in your hand with your buddies, and you went deep-sea fishing, and you, you caught the big one. And the big one, would you would reel him in, and then you had to let him go out because you would lose him. Right. Because the mayor has his staff around him when he does these interviews, and they're pointing to their watch, you know, like seven minutes, ten minutes max. You were able to get out of him a half hour of quality broadcast. You gave a little, you took. You gave a little, took. It, it's go. like kneading dough, you know. You were kneading the dough. There was no yeast in there so that he would explode and then say, Sid, I got to go and come up with a reason why he couldn't Which continue. happened to us once before, sure. me and Bernard. And, uh, he, he just ran off the phone. I wasn't going to let that happen. I want to bring him back. And then, like I said yesterday, we report, you decide. How do you think he did answering those questions? Uh in many instances, and thank you, thank you. He was delusional, uh, you know, about shoplifting, about how the city's back, we're back, or oh, crime is down. What's wrong with you? delusional? But you were so magnificent when you started to point him in the direction of how Staten Island was actually a beneficiary to him. He listened because he listens to you. Said he doesn't just spew out his talking points. He actually listens to you, the interviewer, which. For politicians, is rare. You had a conversation, and although you disagreed on a lot of things, it was very respectful, and you were able to pull out of him so much information that normally he would never leave out on the table. 
But that particular thing, which is the key to this battle, the right to shelter, and the fact that he would treat you as a peer, an equal, and have a conversation about that whole right to shelter and how you were coaxing him. Now, look, if Nicole, as great as she was in bringing that up, if she had a conversation, he would never go that way. No, he wouldn't. He went with you the whole nine yards. He pointed out how he couldn't sign on because he had a safe face. Because if he did it there, he would have to do it everywhere where the rebels are. But then again, he also pointed out, but there are some points in that decision which are very favorable to the city. And I have to have Corporation Council uh, examine it. That's why last night when we had our victory rally, there were less cops. There was more of a, a good feeling about what had happened in Staten Island. And there's no doubt we're at a Mexican standoff. St. John Villa Academy is the Alamo. And by the way, an asylum seeker years ago, remember the Alamo? Santa Ana, General Santa Ana. Where did he seek asylum? Staten Island. That's true. That's where he invented the chiclets. But let me not digress. So the crowd was very respectful. And then at the very end, and this is what I got to find out, a helicopter a police helicopter came down and did what the ghetto bird does in the hood. It it brought itself down right to the treetops. I immediately did not condemn the NYPD because we had such good harmony. He said, that was uncalled for. Even my partner, Arnaldo Salinas, with me for 46 years, said that was uncalled for, that they would bring that bird down right above the treetops and just, like, hover there. And then they went off. Well, they had uh, the last couple of rallies, I believe, in Staten Island had drones. Right. Right. No drones last night. But I still I want to find out what that was. I'm giving the police the benefit of the doubt that maybe it was like a flyover at the Super Bowl, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's what I told the crowd. No, and no, no, no. May, maybe the guy that actually flew the helicopter was a big fan of yours. Well, because Look, he's that's at, my guy Curtis. He's at Floyd Bennett Field, and he doesn't want the illegals <laughs> there. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But we are at a Mexican standoff on Staten Island. And let's face it, Staten Island has proven that uh, David can be Goliath and that you can stand up to City Hall. I agree. So that brings us to other parts where you've also shown your heroism. We love you in Queens. We love you in Brooklyn. We just do. Somebody asked me yesterday, I'm going to be honest, a friend of Eric Adams. And this person said to me, I heard the interview. You were very nice. Does this mean you're going to stop doing these silly rallies with Curtis? Swear to God. And I said, no, I'm going to do these rallies, especially because I am selfish, if it affects my neighborhood. I'm going to do these rallies. And I said, isn't it possible that I could be friendly with both guys? Yeah, well, I'll give you an example. Last night after I finished the rally, I had my monthly uh, Ronald Reagan uh, Republican meeting in Staten Island at Osteria Santina. Great restaurant there on Jewett Avenue. You know, who was in there celebrating her birthday. Uh, the mayor's attache to Staten Island, Diane Savino, the former yeah, state senator, yeah, yeah. who it got very contentious with us. And I went over there and I wished her a happy birthday. And she was surrounded by her family and their backs were up. Because, oh, my God, this is crazy. No, no, this is sad. It's your birthday. Happy birthday. You know, we have our differences, but life has to go on, especially in a place like Staten Island where everybody knows one another. So nobody expected me to do that. And she was appreciative. And she said, watch yourself, watch your step, watch your step. Because she knows I'm the leader of the rebels. You know, you can deal with politicians, you can deal with lawyers, but I'm like um, Giuseppe Garibaldi. (laughs) 
who also sought asylum in Staten Island and put together an Italian army and go back and unify the country. He was the professional rebel, and he had the guerrilla. Oh, my God, am I going to get Be thrown careful. off the air here? Now, make sure you say G-U-E, yes. not G-O-R. Gorilla red shirts. Where do you think I got some of my ideas from? I'm sure. Gorilla I'm sure. red shirts. That's funny. That is uh, akin to oh, the Guardian look, on, Angels. On, on Tompkins Avenue, they have the place, the house that he was in uh, uh, as an asylum seeker before he went back to Italy, unified the country. And by the way... Uh, when we were losing the Civil War in the beginning, we're getting our butts kicked. Uh, bull Run 1, Bull Run 2, the Confederates were like almost ready to sack Washington, D.C. Abraham Lincoln reached out to Gallibaldi. He said, I need you as part of my Union command. He said, I'll come there if you put me completely in charge. <laughs> <laughs> that's when all of a sudden they bring it to well, I don't know about yeah. that. Well, that's funny. But that's how good he was. Yes. Well, that's how good you are. And I do want to move us back to Brooklyn because oh boy. you and I had a good conversation. During that interview with Eric Adams, not only did I play audio from the Cole Malio Takis, but during that same conversation about about the uh, the right to shelter, I brought up our friend Councilwoman Inna Vernikov. We like very much. We want her to win in November. And she's definitely afraid that these illegals are going to Manhattan Beach, one of the nicest parts in Brooklyn. Oh, Kingsborough Community College. Magnificent Manhattan Gorgeous. Beach. Gorgeous. You know that every single block in Manhattan Beach, it goes in alphabetical order. Yes. Eight, right, like they don't, let you, they don't right. let you park on the side streets, <laughs> even during beach season. They're like right? my neighborhood, Keep, exactly. them, keep right. those other people out of here. Right. So Eric really didn't answer the question. He was, he seemed to be more upset, and he's right, he's right about this, that I was delivering messages from Nicole Maliotakis and Avernikov. He said, have them call me. I'll talk to them. But he did say, he did say, Every neighborhood is going to be exactly. impacted. So last night uh, at about 12 midnight, I sent you the video that I did right from the entrance to Manhattan Beach. I paid uh, my respects to Randazzo's, the old uh, Lundy's before you make the left-hand turn, and, of course, Pips, which was the great comedy club. I performed there. That's right. I mean, it was great. Look, I love that area. Pips, just so you know, Joan Rivers, David Brenner. A young man named Andrew Silverstein, who is now Andrew Dice Clay, and me, we all performed there. And Randazzo's, my very first date ever with my girlfriend, Ava, who I was very, very close with before I married Danielle. My daughter's name is Ava. Our first date, Randazzo's. Did you uh, get to third base, or was it a ground rule double when you had to go back to second base? With Ava? Uh, uh, (laughs) I was Aaron Judge. So anyway, I'm going into Manhattan Beach, and I know Manhattan Beach well. I used to go to Manhattan Beach, but my cousin, my older cousin, Lenny Beans Bianchino, played center field for the Canarsie Chiefs, and then he played for Kingsborough Community College. This guy was like four foot eight. That's why they called him Beansy. So I would go over to that ball field. You know where that ball field is, Oriental Boulevard in Norfolk, before you make the entrance. That's where they're going to put the illegal aliens. And I walked that area. And I looked at it, and you talk about a flood zone with all this. I mean, Floyd Bennett Field, Marine Park, all the places that they're picking, Shore Road Park, flood zones, flood zones. But it doesn't matter because now Eric Adams has changed his focus from Staten Island where he is. There's a battle. He knows he can't win out there to southern Brooklyn. What, but why can't he win in Staten Island, but he can win in southern Brooklyn, whether it's Jamie Williams who – 
who now seems to think that we're on her side because AOC called well, her out, but I'm not me, sure. Let me, let me wake her up. Both uh, Jamie Williams and uh, Joanne Ariello, who went to Washington, D.C., and again, I support them Yes, in what they're doing. They have a lawsuit uh, to prevent uh, the city, the state, and the federal government from using Floyd Bennett Field uh, to house 7,500 single, able-bodied, illegal alien men with nowhere to go and nothing to do. But when AOC was cross-examining her and screaming at her, well, if it's not Floyd Bennett Field, where? Where are you going to put it? Where? And Jamie Williams said, I don't know. And, boy, if I could have coached them before uh, they went, because yeah. that was the opportunity to yeah. turn on AOC and said, AOC, back in September of 2022, you and your socialist mini-me's, you argued against Eric Adams for putting a tent in the Orchard Beach parking lot because it was a flood zone, and he took it away. You, AOC, are a sanctimonious hypocrite because when it came to your backyard, your congressional district, you said no, but let's put the illegal aliens everywhere. That would have put it on point. And I know because I was there at that time with Arnold Salinas and... Mike Rendino, his sister, yes. and all of Throg's well, neck. That's, was that's why I said that. yesterday that uh, they really got their asses kicked. Yes. I'm, I love Joanne and, and Jamie. I'm rooting for them, too. But to your point, they got their asses kicked because they did not make that statement. Oh, my God. And if they would have only sat with me, I could have prepped I know. them. I, I, I know. I know where all the bones are buried and who course. buried them. Of course. I keep telling all these people that time and time again. But the question remains the same. If you can win on Staten Island, why can't we win in Queens or Brooklyn? Because you have to be ready. To be arrested, you have to be ready at, to do major acts of civil disobedience, which I have described, which would be to tie Brooklyn up in knots. So as uh, Ina Vernikoff wonders, will it happen? Yes, Ina, it's going to happen, and I will, I'll give a call to you today. But you know who moved quickly? Ari Kagan. Yes. Ari Kagan moved quickly because the liar, Justin Brandon, remember, who called me a liar over a month ago when I said, Shore Road Park, it's coming to Bay Ridge. Now it turns out not only Bay Ridge, but Fort Hamilton, right next to your beloved Poly Prep Day School. Type now, Heights. Now I want to see Arthur Idala and Joe Takapina step up and represent the uh, constituents there because sit on this coming Tuesday. Get ready, October 3rd, Tuesday night, 6.30. Harry Kagan has called together a rally. No migrants, no tents, no housing, no motels at John Paul Jones Park in the shadow of Verrazano Bridge. We are fighting back, Sid. And it took Ari Kagan to fire the first shot across the bow of Eric Adams and his mini-me, Justin Brannon. Justin, you can't run. You can't hide. You wanted this? You begged City Hall. Please hold off on this. Hold off until after November 8th, after the election. Please don't announce it. But they couldn't keep themselves from playing the race card. And through the Brooklyn Kings County Democratic leader, she announced, we're coming after you crackers in Bay Ridge, Fort Hamilton, Marine Park, and Manhattan Beach, because you haven't done your fair share, cracker white people. This is race war started by City Hall, and we're there for all the people. Not just some of the people, Eric Adams. I don't trust you. You'll stab us in the back. And meantime, Eric Kagan, you vote for him.
against Justin Brandon. I'll be there this Sunday. The annual 3rd Avenue Fair with all the Gavones telling me, giving me the John Gotti salute, their middle finger. Doesn't matter. I'm going to be there to get Harry Kagan elected over that Utreditor that life. Justin Brandon, mini-me of Eric Adams. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. song so apropos for this morning i'm winning winning baby like charlie sheen said many years ago we are winning here at wabc been a great show already really terrific both brian kilmeade and curtis sliwa got a lot of great guests still to come today including ernie anastas who doesn't love ernie anastas joe tacopina tom holman andrew giuliani going to join us shortly but we are winning here at wabc i know you You've been to my social media, Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney. Follow me today, Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney. Or Facebook, Sid Rosenberg. You saw that I posted the ad that John Katsimatidis, my man John, put in today's New York Post. Do you know what page? I'm going to look. Yeah, because you, you take the paper every morning, and sometimes I forget to even ask for it back. I'd like to see the football picks and all that, but you just uh, you steal it right away, and that's it. I'm holding it. No, you steal it. I'm uh, stealing it. Yes. Yeah, and I can't get it. And so it's usually in the 20s somewhere. And it says, beautiful color ad, which talks about uh, today's big New York State Broadcasters Association lunch at a ritzy little pace, uh, uh, Chelsea Piers. Where page. They what, what page? 28. Here you go. Page 28. Thank you, John and Margot Katz-Matidis. 
and WABC at this luncheon today, where every radio station is up. I remember the last time I won, Jim Kerr was actually there. He won an award, too. And Bill Witter, who does the news on uh, Channel 7, who is um, at times a nice guy, but for the most part a liberal douchebag. But regardless, it's a big deal, these awards. And WABC won eight. So uh, I did on my social media and on this show once or twice already today congratulate John and Margot Katz-Matidis and Chad Lopez. I always have a soft spot for Chad because he brought me back in 2016. And when all these stations were going away, like I mentioned earlier, WPLJ, Nash Country, that urban station, Chad had to keep this station, led at that time by me and Bernie, how to keep it alive. And he did a magnificent job. And he's had these great ideas, content distribution, all these things for years. He just needed the right folks to run the station the right way with him. And we have found them, thank God, in John and Margot Katsimatidis. So once again, the eight awards that we'll receive this morning include Best Podcast, Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano and Bill Shatner. And Frank, in fact, Frank is staying in the city. He's not going back to Staten Island. He's going to be there this morning as well. Congratulations to Frank. Congratulations to my man, Curtis Sliwa. He won Best Personality Social Media on the closing of the legendary Lenny's Pizza in Brooklyn. Congratulations to my guy, Noam Layton, part of the five guys on this team. He won two awards today. This one for election coverage with Rita Cosby and Dominic Carter. Congrats, Noam. Thank you. Congrats to Cindy Adams, who I love dearly. Does a great Sunday show here. She won Best Feature for her interview with that scumbag Governor Andrew Cuomo. Uh, Best Use of Digital goes to uh, the tribute for Timothy Klein, the firefighter from my community, who died uh, last year from Brooklyn. Uh, Best Live On Scene, Columbus Day Parade, my buddy Angelo Bivolo. I'll be back in the convertible Cadillac coming up October 9th this year. And, of course, our Back to Blue program. An all-day tribute to the NYPD, which is coming up again on October 20th. That is the best public affairs program. And as Vanessa Williams once said, we save the best for last. And that is the best morning show in New York. And that's us. So congratulations uh, to all you guys. And big, big lunch, uh, brunch, really, really a brunch, coming up this afternoon. And it should be fun. My next guest does a great show, 2 o'clock every Sunday and he is now a regular on this show every Friday, because I love him, and he's terrific on the air, and that is uh, Andrew Giuliani. The apple did not fall far from the tree. His father, Rudy, of course, is on 3 o'clock every weekday afternoon. Andrew Giuliani. Good morning, Andrew. Well, Sid, congratulations. Congratulations on these uh, incredible awards. Best morning show. Look, we knew it. We saw the ratings every single week. We knew you were number one, but now it's absolutely official that uh, and I'll tell you what, they probably should give you the silver award, too, because you're, you're kicking the competition's ass so bad <laughs> that they probably shouldn't give out a silver medal to anybody. They should probably give it to you as well on top of it. And uh, this is not why I love you, just so you know, but it doesn't hurt, Andrew. <laughs> it doesn't it, hurt, right? <laughs> yeah. Do me a favor. Stay on hold. You and I are going to have a lengthy conversation about a variety of topics. i got to get a break in, get to Joe Nolan, and then more of me and Andrew Giuliani. In Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC.
Oh, ELO, don't bring me down on a rainy Friday morning. Jimmy Carter, who for most of my life, and if God is good to me, I'll be 57 years old in April, was absolutely hands down the worst president in my lifetime. Well, congratulations, Joe Biden. I always say if you're the best at anything, even the best at being the worst, that's worth commenting on. But Jimmy Carter is going to be 99 years old on Sunday. So I think he's almost died like a hundred times. <laughs> really? Like a hundred. But he'll be 99. God so. bless. Yeah, God bless. So we just heard uh, a promo for Rudy. Let's get back to his son who does a tremendous show here. He really does. Two o'clock on Sundays. Andrew Giuliani, who a young guy has already worked four years for Donald Trump, has already run for governor with a very impressive second-place finish with four good guys, has had major jobs down on Wall Street. He's just hes a very impressive young kid. He's a great father and a great husband. Andrew, welcome back. You know, I was thinking about you uh, yesterday because there was a time, there was a time when, when somebody said something about my father. I'll never forget. My father used to walk around like Kojak. He looked a lot like Telly Savalas, a lot. (laughs) And he wore the coat, Andrew, when he sucked on the lollipop. He actually played into it for a couple of years. And there was a kid at Polly Prep once, and he said, your father looks like a jerk-off walking around like Kojak. I swear to God. And I wanted to kill him. And I thought about you. I said, Andrew, every single day reads and hears stuff about his father. I don't know how much you love your father, just like I do. You more, obviously. Yeah. I go, how does this kid get through the day without wanting to kill somebody every day? How do you do it? Yeah, yeah you know, I'll tell you what. I, I remember in third grade the first time some kid was telling me that I got to fight with a kid. And, uh, you know, I just kind of realized that probably around, like, fourth or fifth grade between all the stuff that was going to come out in the New York Times and kids were going to say and this and that, that, uh, that if I fought in – and fought with everybody who had a negative opinion about him, then I would be fighting with, you know, at the time, 40% of New York City. And I said, I did the math on it, and I said, hey, you know, I mean, I'm going to spend some time in detention anyway just by my uh, my nature. Probably want to actually spend a little bit of time outside of detention as well. But, look, it, undoubtedly, it's frustrating to see everything that's going on. But as I mentioned last week, there's a reason why they're going after Rudy Giuliani. It's because he is – uh, the closest thing to Donald Trump that you have, and uh, and they know that uh, that right now he's um, I want to say somewhat vulnerable, and that and that's why they continue to tee off him. I mean, take the Hunter Biden lawsuit for example. But we all know, and you've covered this, and so many of the other great hosts at WABC have covered this extensively. This is a laptop that he denied was his for years, and now they're suing Rudy Giuliani over the fact that he ended up getting the laptop from this guy, John Paul Isaac, who had given it to the FBI. The FBI just for 10 months sits on this, and he looks at Rudy Giuliani as the only person that has the integrity enough and the guts enough to actually reveal this to the public. And now he's going to sue him over this? So it's just the whole thing is so bizarre. And sadly, and I think when you go and look at this Trump case, the Trump business case here in New York, it's really the one that makes me look and say, are we living in a capitalistic society here in New York anymore in, in the United States of America? Well, I'm, glad, I'm, glad you brought, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. uh, I had Brian Kilmeade on earlier. He's a friend of both of ours. And, yeah. you know, Brian is really a DeSantis guy. He's not a Trump guy. I like Donald. He likes Donald, but not you, know, like you and I love Donald. And he said, he said, this is at 645 this morning. 
He said, Sid, forget about the four indictments, which are all ridiculous. Every one of them, I don't care if you can make a legal explanation for numbers two and four. They're ridiculous. He said, but with all of this in mind, what they did to Trump this week is grotesque. Here you've got banks who not only are happy with how the business went, they made hundreds of millions of dollars in interest. There's no victim. Clearly, this is Letitia James, who hates Trump, this liberal judge who hates Trump, taking a personal vendetta against this man, going against his sons, taking his beautiful buildings. They have nothing, nothing legally here. And yet, and yet, because of some ridiculous law or statute, they can do this and they can rob him of everything. Whether you like Donald Trump or not, if you are not disgusted and scared to death about this case in New York, you're a moron. Yeah, Shit, that's perfect. I can't say it any better than that. The only thing that I'll add to it is think about the mindset of the leftist politician anymore. It's not liberal. It's leftist. The leftist politician at this point, someone like a Letitia James, where we might be looking and saying from a common sense perspective, well, why would I do this? Because maybe one day they'll go after me. Right. If, if if conservatives in New York do get in power at some point, maybe at some point they would retaliate. So I need to make sure that I'm not going after my political enemies like I'm doing. They're thinking of it the exact opposite way. They're saying, you know what, the more that I can scare conservatives, and there's nobody better to go after than Donald Trump, second would be Rudy Giuliani, the more that I could scare them out of New York State, guess what? The easier it is for me to get reelected because there are going to be less conservatives in the pool of New York that are going to end up voting for me. And, by the way, then I'm going to have the New York Times. I'm going to have the Daily News. I'm going to have you know, so many of the New York establishments, not maybe the New York Post and not WABC, but so many of the New York establishment media types cheer me on for this stuff because they have gone even more left than many of our politicians. It's kind of a race to the left between these two. So it's really scary when you actually think of the potential mindset here. It really is, and uh, you just laid it out perfectly as well. This is Andrew Giuliani. Check him out, 2 p.m. every Sunday, and, of course, his dad, 3 p.m., Every weekday, I did mention the fact that you ran a great race and uh, finished second to Lee Zeldin in the attempt to oust Kathy Hochul. She's still here. Yeah. Uh, I know that uh, Governor Abbott was here, and he he was here. I mean, I know that Brian Kilmeade was bragging he was on Fox News, but I got news for you, mm-hmm. Brian. Governor Abbott was here. I saw a beautiful picture with John and John Jr. Katsimatidis. He did Katsimatidis' show. He was here in this building. And he was uh, ready, willing, and able a couple of days ago when he was here to give credit to Hochul and Adams. Adams was on with me for 30 minutes yesterday. Yeah. And he was willing to give them credit for going at Joe Biden about this illegals crisis. Uh, anyway, long story short, she, Kathy Hochul, really, to me, doesn't act as if she cares. You know, Adams, I think, cares every now and then. I don't think she cares at all. When you watch the governor operate, does it make it sick to your stomach? You really didn't win? <laughs> yeah, it's it's so disheartening, right? And uh, right now, you know, last week you talk about running a race. I ran the Tunnel the to Towers race, and you and I were jokingly, I was training last week as yeah. we were on the show. And <laughs> that I was, was great. And puffing. Yeah. Now I'm looking at Grace and making eggs while I'm on the show this week. <laughs> and by the way, I don't know which is tougher, being making the eggs or actually going and running, because I'm not very good at, at both of them. But I got to tell you, as I look at her and I think about the future of New York and and what I just said before, which is they're chasing more conservatives out of this state. 
State, I look at her and I say, what's what? How is her quality of life going to be better? Is it going to be growing it up in New York at this point, or is it going to be growing up in a state in a state like Texas, like Florida? Which, by the way, Sid, you know, you look at more people in their 30s and 40s. They didn't used to move out of New York, right? It was when you were 60, 70, 80 years old. That's when you'd go down to Boca. That's when you do all that stuff. Now you're seeing families that are actually deciding, hey, you know what? It's better to raise our kids in this state because the quality of life is better. And that's the scary part. And by, and by the way, you you and uh, Z and Grace, you're going to be another one of those examples in less than three years. Del Boca Vista. <laughs> that's it. I'm looking at Del Boca Vista. And, uh, you know, if Kramer is not running for uh, a second term president, then I'm in. That's what I'm looking oh, for. So everybody asks me what my next political move is. It's Del Boca Vista. So That's a nice place. It's not far from my old home on, in uh, West Boca. I know the place very, very well. But you're right. You know, I mean, I, I moved down there when I was younger because I got fired here. And I had a, a history as a child. My dad bought a condominium in Hallandale. And I would go back and forth to Florida. I went to Miami to college. But uh, for the most part, it was your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents. Then I moved to Boca. I have to tell you, Andrew, living in West Boca, and all of my neighbors were young. Now we're dating back maybe 15 years ago. They were already young, all moved from Long Island, from Brooklyn. You know, they had gone from Brooklyn to Manalapan to Florida. And uh, now they're even younger, to your point, and they're moving, of course, in bigger numbers. And Ron DeSantis is doing a good job. Look, I didn't think he was very good at the debate a couple nights ago. He's been a horrendous, not a bad, a horrendous presidential candidate. But the truth is, he does a good job running that state. Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah, look, I agree. I think he does a good job running the state. And I think well, the same problems that are happening to DeSantis, you and I handicapped this a year ago in terms of what DeSantis' struggles were, which is He's not good at the popularity contest. We could see this coming in. I could tell you, I saw this coming in when he ended up coming up probably about a week before the gubernatorial election here in New York and did a rally with Lee Zeldin. And Lee got up there and spoke first, and Lee had the crowd the whole time, probably eight, 9,000 people in Suffolk County. It was great, right? Did a good job, went up there, spoke. Everybody was excited. DeSantis spoke for about 25 minutes. And by minute seven or eight, he had lost the crowd at that point yeah. because he didn't understand how to politically speak to people. And I don't know if he's gotten much better even over the last nine or ten months. He, he hasn't. So no. he's got to figure it out. And, and I'll tell you what, he's got to be careful with this debate with Newsom because I think it's one of the few things that Newsom does well. It's probably the opposite with Newsom. Newsom is a very charismatic guy. He, he's terrible in terms of running his state. I mean, you could argue. He might even be worse than Hochul in terms of people leaving the state and businesses leaving the state and looking at California. But he's very good on television, and he's very, very he's very charismatic. So yeah, yeah. DeSantis doesn't understand the ins and outs and can't actually make sure that he delivers the, the, the way, the lines, the way he needs to, to yeah. be able to convey the difference between Florida and California in this debate coming up with Newsom then he's going to look like a fool, I'll tell you. Well, you're right about that. And, uh, of course, for Gavin, his greatest conquer is not being the governor of California. For a while there, he was married and used to bang Kimberly Gilpoyle, who well, Donald <laughs> Jr. bangs now. But <laughs> but uh, on a serious note... i that one, literally and, and physically. <laughs> this is the only show you'll get that type of analysis, Andrew. That's why we're number <laughs> that's one. Right. It's, that's, why, that's why you're number one. That's why you're the best. <laughs> that's right. But uh, in terms of DeSantis, you're right. And and he could easily get embarrassed by Newsom. And that does beg the question on the way out. We all figured, hey, maybe not this time, right? Trump is going to win 
I've known that for months. I've, at least I've come to that realization. But certainly by 2028, that could be Ron's time. I believe this has gone so badly for DeSantis, I don't know if that's going to be the case. And if, in fact, to your point, Newsom embarrasses him, it could be over. No? Yeah. Yeah, it could be. It, it absolutely could be because, it, you know, it could be a moment like uh, you could see a moment the way that Marco Rubio had with Christie, where Christie just, uh, you know, ended his presidential ambitions in about 90 seconds. And that's always going to follow him. And that's one of these things that's so tricky about these debates. I remember in debate prep, one of the first rules of debate prep is making sure that you don't give your opponents something that they can run in their commercials that's going to make you look terrible, basically. So more than anything, it's kind of like, okay, uh, here's the prefed, here's the, here's the prevent defense. Now how do we actually make our points? And DeSantis, if he's not careful, he could. Now DeSantis is – you know, wickedly smart. You could see with the job that he ends up doing in the state there. So I don't think he's going to give him one of those lines. But I do think from a charisma standpoint, you're going to see a seasoned politician like Newsom who continually gets reelected, even though he's run his state into the ground against a guy like DeSantis, who has done a good job in Florida, who's done a great job in Florida. You can see all the people that are moving down there. But it seems like he can't string two sentences together. And uh, probably, uh, you know, it's, it, it, could be, it could be ugly. I'm, I'm interested to watch that one. I, I got to tell you, Sid, I only watched live about 15 minutes of the other debate here because I had called it kind of the junior varsity debate. There's yep. something else yep. going on, and, I, and I've caught other clips of it. And I have to tell you, I think by now, by Friday afternoon, I think it's late. I think it's, you know, the news is kind of passed on this debate. And I think that uh, everybody's still vying for a distant second place at this point. You could argue now it's DeSantis. You could argue it's Haley. You can argue it's Vivek. Whoever is in second place, it's a distant second place. And it doesn't seem like it's that gap is closing anytime soon. I agree. And I don't think uh, Mr. Trump is impressed with any of them. If they've got the designs of maybe being his running mate. I know Tim Scott probably thought about that a couple of months ago. I don't think Mr. Trump is impressed with any of these folks. You know what? The um, We'll wrap it up with this. The DeSantis Newsom for me is kind of the way I felt when I watched Tiger versus Phil on ABC. You remember that? Yeah, I, I mean, do remember that. Of course, you're a great golfer. $9 million. That's right. Right, right exactly. <laughs> hey, you're great. Uh, I love when you're on this show. You do a great job on Sundays. You're one of my best buddies, and I love you to death. Thank you, Angel. Thank you, Sid. And by the way, I think you may now be sharing an award. I think I think my mother won the best morning show some 12 or 13 years ago. Wow. She was on one of our competitors, as a matter of fact. You got to go back and look, maybe like 2009, 2010. It was some point during the Bloomberg years. But see if Donna Hanover is on that award list when you end up getting it right. I will text you. I will text you when I get there. I'll find out, and I promise I'll let you know, okay? Congratulations. Thank you, buddy. That's uh, it's a good lady, your mother, Dana Hanover. I like her very, very much, and she's an incredible talent like you are. That wraps up our first two hours. Andrew Giuliani, check him out, folks. He's terrific. 2 p.m. on Sundays. Got a big 8 o'clock hour coming your way. Joe Tacopina, Donald Trump's famous defense attorney. He'll be here at 840. And coming up after the news, my guy, the great Ernie Anastas. Anastas and Tacopina, hour number three, coming up. Is sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC.
Such a feeling's coming over me There is wonder in most everything I see Not a cloud in the sky Got the sun in my eyes And I won't be surprised if it's a dream Everything I want the world to be Is now coming true especially for me clear it's because you are here you're the nearest thing to heaven that I've seen I'm on the top of the world looking down on creation and the only explanation I can find is the love that I found ever since you've been around your love's put me at the top of the world Ah, uh, the late, great Karen Carpenter, her brother Richard, he's still alive. The Carpenter is top of the world and sitting friends in the morning. Lou Rufino's a genius. He really is. He plays I Am Winning. He plays top of the world. Sitting friends in the morning about to receive an award in about three hours at the uh, Ritzy Chelsea Piers for the best morning show in New York City, which I really appreciate. I worked very hard to get here. Very hard. Very hard. All those years on Internet radio, then all those years at WFAN, how to deal with I miss that prick every morning, and then getting fired and going down to South Florida for 11 years and coming back here, dealing with the cumulus nonsense, and it's been uh, 25 years for me. This all started back in 1998, and right now we are at the top of the world, and we deserve to be there because at the risk of sounding really, really obnoxious, this is the best show in New York and maybe the best show in the country. But I, but I grew up, and, and there's a lot of people that I look, um, all I guess I look at as heroes in my business, radio guys like Imus and Stern and Mike and the Mad Dog, and TV guys, news especially, because this station gives you the news straight. We don't lie. We give it to you straight. And my favorite, I mean this, I mean this sincerely. My mother can tell you this. My favorite news anchor in my lifetime, by miles, Ernie Anastas. When he was at Channel 2, Channel 7, Channel 5, it didn't matter to me. Ernie, Kitey Tang, Michelle Marsh, Warner Wolf, it didn't matter to me. He was always and still is by far the best. And when he came to this station last year, I was like, get out of here, Ernie Anastas. Now he does Positively Ernie, which you hear on my show, 945 every weekday morning. It's on Rudy's show as well. So I have a couple of minutes. I want to get him on today. Here he is. One of my heroes, Ernie Anastas. Good morning, Ernie. Good morning, and you're my hero as well. Hey, hey. by the way, congrats. You deserve it. You just ran through your career and, and more to it. I know it. I mean, you know, we, we tell little stories, but there's so much to your life. Congratulations, Sid. You really, I listen to you in the morning, of course, like millions of people do, and you're just fabulous, and I'm so proud of you. I really am. Oh, that means a lot coming from you. It really does, because I, I still think you're the best uh, anchor ever. Back to the days when, regardless of how you felt personally, you guys delivered mm-hmm. the news, and I couldn't tell if Ernie Anastas was happy or sad or angry or mad. Mm-hmm. You just delivered the news, and that's gone today. I mean, I get Bill O'Reilly on every Thursday, sometimes twice a week, and I got to tell you, he does more segments on how angry and disappointed he is with the media today, and I don't want you to bash your friends, and I know a lot of mm-hmm. these guys like Bill Witter you're still friends with, but the truth is, sure. Ernie, what you did and do for so many years and so well, it's gone. It's gone, Ernie. Done. Well, 
there have been a lot of changes. There's no question about it. You mentioned Bill O'Reilly. Do you know that Bill and I were at Channel 7 in Boston back in the 60s together? Can you believe that? Wow. Unbelievable. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, the people that we come in contact with over the years. But, look, bottom line is that, you know, we had a lot of good role models. Walter Cronkite, to me, was, was my mentor. And he helped me in so many ways. And he talked about truth. And he talked about getting the facts right and, and, and not offering any kind of an opinion when we were doing the news specifically. So good role models were important to me. And I tried to emulate that. And, and I believe that that's what people recognize. And, and I still feel that way. I am so happy to be part of WABC. You know, John Katzmatidis and I have been dear friends for years. And, and when he bought the radio station, I knew that he was going to do major things. And look what the station is doing, and I'm so proud to be part of that, and offering positive news. Why is that important? Because we're divided in many ways, especially now. And I think we have to look at our society and say, what brings us together? What are the fundamental common interests that we have? And you know what? I'm doing something this morning on, on PIX11. I'm there at 9.30 in the morning because my show is on uh, PIX11 on Sundays. And, and we're talking basically about that. What brings us together? Sports. You know that. I mean, sure. uh, it, it's the it's the pastime when you talk about World Series and and Super Bowl and and the Olympics and so forth. America comes together with sports. We come together when we have national holidays like the Fourth of July, uh, Thanksgiving, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Valentine's Day. Communities working together, Sid. You know this. You talk about it on the air. Communities coming together to say, you know what? We want to improve our, our, our neighborhood, beautification. We want to protect our children. We want to have school programs. We need to be united as a community, and it starts with the local operation, local stations. Uh, you remember that line, all politics is local. Yes. Chip O'Neill. Well, all radio, all, to all communications is local. And if we don't go into our own communities like you're doing, like I'm doing, and other states, we have to be able to stay together as a, as a unit, and that's what keeps us united. I really believe that. No, I agree with you, and it's well said, although what you just said, while still true, Ernie, still true, even yeah. that has taken a hit. I mean, don't forget, I worked at WFAN, the best sports station in the history of the medium yep. for years, right. and I had a very yep. highly rated show. So I've got a very, very deep sports background. I still go to Giant Games, Ranger Games, Nick sure. Games, Met Games. And, you know, yep. to see a couple of years ago Colin Kaepernick taking the knee during the National Anthem, this Megan mm -hmm. Rapinoe, the woman soccer player, just retired. She basically spits on the flag. Even this young yeah, lady, even this young lady that we brought back from Russia, who won, and I was happy right. she had a chance to come home. She has said horrible things about this country, LeBron James. So, yes, all those things that you talked about, it's yeah. still pretty much true, but even those have taken a hit. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right about that, Sid. And you know what it comes down to? You know, Aretha Franklin saying about respect. And I think we've lost a lot of that. And, and you and I have grown up in certain, you know, areas and, and, and a generation where we understand what it's like. There was a time, and I don't want to go backwards. I always want to move forward. But there was a time when things were different, and we had more respect. We understood one another. What's contributed to it? I'm, I'm not sure. Is it social media? Uh, is it the media in general that really has lost control over being able to control more of what we're doing in a positive way? I'm not talking about censoring, but I'm just talking about being able to say, look, here's an example of how we can treat one another. There were a lot of bad examples. Sid, you and I know that, in, in general, the media – rewards bad behavior 
Okay. Yes. So we have to be careful with that. We have to reward good behavior. We got to have a balance, and I love that word balance. We can't censor news. We have to talk about what really is going on. Can't put the comics on the front page. I understand that it doesn't sell, but there is a balance where we have to bring in some better news and better ideas and campaigns by politicians who have to say, let's create a campaign in our city, in our country, in the world to respect one another, to have more civility and to do away with anger, hatred, and violence. We've got to do something about this, Sid. I'm very passionate about it. I know you are, too. No, you are, and that's why the, the uh, bit we wrote every morning, the piece, Positively Ernie, uh, yes. the title alone makes me feel good. You know, i got to be honest, uh, most commercial breaks, because a lot of them are me, on, you know, so I just walk out, I get myself <laughs> a cup of coffee, I get a, you know, some M&Ms, but I stay in studio when Positively Ernie plays at 945 Thank every you. week. I, I mean it, because I do Thank like you. the fact that, you're getting out there to the streets, talking to people that I know, that I know are scared, mm-hmm. they're anxious, some of them are miserable. Yes. But for those couple of minutes, you make them realize things aren't all that bad. So wrapping up this great conversation and looking back, yes, Ernie Anestis, uh, while your career is still thriving, WABC, WPIX, the greatest anchor in the history of the business, oh, what, are, you, what are you most proud of in your illustrious career? You know what? I'm proud that I've had the opportunity to be able to use the gifts that I've been given, uh, to be able to to be on the air, to communicate with people, and to present thoughts and ideas that can help motivate uh, individuals to take action in a positive way. I'm honored that I'm, I'm able to walk down the streets of New York and have people yell out my name and then tell me how much they appreciate what I've done. That, to me, is the greatest gift that I've ever received. Well, that is a beautiful gift, and you're a beautiful guy. Every time you come in, Thank you're you. smiling. You are too, buddy. I love you, man. Thank you, Ernie. Love you back. Thank All you. right. Congratulations on the award, my good friend. I appreciate that. Look at that. Uh, <laughs> you would have said to me 25 years ago when I was watching Ernie and Michelle Marsh and Warner Wolf, his teeth fell out. You would have said to me back then, <laughs> Ernie Anastas was going to congratulate me. I would have said, uh, sure, sure. <laughs> Let me know when. I'll make sure I'm listening. But uh, that's where we are. And I'll I tell you this, and not to make my story all that important, but, you know, I'm not that far removed from rehab, jail, and a bunch of situations, which no one should ever endure. And here we are today. So with everything going on in this country, and it's bad, it's bad. This president is a sack of shizzle. His whole administration are a bunch of America-hating punks. Your local politicians from the governor on down suck. Your city council should be in prison, almost every one of them. It's bad. But, but, if Sid Rosenberg can host the number one show in New York City, then trust me when I say this, anything, anything is possible. When this day is through, I hope that I will find that tomorrow will be just the same for you and me. All I need will be mine if you are here. I'm on the top of the world again, down on creation, and the only explanation I can find is the love that I found in the 
exit 5, a crash. You've got one on the Jersey Turnpike northbound at 15E in Union County on the westbound side of 78 at exit 41. Bad accident. Even some flooding today on the Garden State Parkway southbound as you get down towards the area of 135 and then also as you head out onto the southbound side of the Turnpike right by the Gothels Bridge, some puddles in the right lane. Out in Mars County, eastbound Route 80 at 206, an accident. Then at Hook Mountain Road, exit 48, there's a crash. And then in Middlesex County, all lanes remain closed. Southbound Route 1 coming down to Plainfield Avenue. And then on Route 35 down in Monmouth County, again, northbound. All lanes are going to be closed on Route 35 in both directions by Route 71. That also with flooding. This traffic report sponsored by Ray Katina Porsche in Edison. Experience luxury driving the 2023 Porsche Macan. Lease for $9.99 a month for 39 months at Ray Katina Porsche in Edison. $9.99 new and signing qualified buyers. Tax licensing, registration fees, extra details at RayKatinaPorsche.com. I'm Joe Nolan with Traffic on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Larry Kudlow here. Cybersecurity is in the headlines right now as many Las Vegas casinos were just hit with a massive ransomware attack. The casinos that paid the ransom took a sizable financial hit. Your company could be next. If you're an executive who may feel the heat if your company is hacked, suggest that your head of cybersecurity should visit Arison.com to schedule a conversation. Arison provides proactive cybersecurity management and a zero trust process that works. Visit arison.com. That's E-R-A-C-E-N-T.com. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Miller Report with Suzanne Miller. Today we have with us a very special guest. Someone I think many of you are going to want to hear from. Since 1995, he has sold $3 billion in real estate transactions in the Hamptons. Welcome, Gary DePersia, to the Miller Report. How do you think the Hamptons is going to be affected by all the noise that we hear that's going on in New York City right now? Let's take one thing at a time. Let's talk about people leaving for Florida. That works in our benefit very often because people who leave for Florida are generally getting rid of their places in the city so they don't have a residency here and don't have to pay tax. But very often, they don't want to spend the three months of the summer in Florida, so they're buying a place or renting a place in the Hamptons. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. Talk during the week and the weekends. Plus, the best music at night on the weekends. This is how we do it. WABCRadio.com and the 77 WABC app. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Ah, the great Jerry Lee Lewis. What a filthy degenerate this guy was. You know, I was talking a couple of weeks ago about some of the great biopic performances. And I mentioned Jamie Foxx when he played Ray Charles. And my favorite just happened to be the late Philip Seymour Hoffman when he played Truman Capote. But I must tell you that, um, what's his name again? He's got his brother. He's a maniac, too. This uh, guy who played Jerry Lee Lewis. He's also in all those dog Is movies. Gary Busey? No. Was it Gary Busey? No, maybe you're right. I'm, maybe I, it was. I, maybe I'm wrong. I, I thought I'm it was wrong. the guy. He's got that crazy brother who was in uh, Kingpin who thought that um, 
the aliens were coming to get him or something the like bowl, that. That bowling movie? In the bowling did? movie. But he's a very famous actor. Quaid. He used to... Quaid. Oh, no, it was, it was Dennis Quaid. There you go, Dennis Quaid. Dennis his brother Quaid. Randy's yes. a psycho. Yeah, yeah Randy was... Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> and before I, get to, um, before I get to Ricky Gold, I want to make this point, because you all know, of course, how much I adore Bill O'Reilly, and he came up in the conversation with Ernie Anastas, and we've got this big night coming up. There's two tickets, I think, too, I swear to God, uh, which are uh, stage, right, up on, right by the stage. And uh, it's October 27th. At the Paramount Theater, Huntington uh, Farming. Is it, it's Huntington, Long Island, yes. Huntington, yes. yes. So Bill O'Reilly, Killing the Witches. Thank you, Tim McCarthy. He got it, Dennis Quaid. Killing the Witches, the latest in the Bill O'Reilly Killing series. And they're all unbelievable books. This one may be the best of all. Seriously. And he did an amazing interview with Tucker Carlson talking about how similar their careers, not their careers, but their, their stay at Fox News ended. It was outstanding. Do you realize now that the interview that Carlson and Orwadi did together, 15 million views. And they talked about the book, and he's talked about the book with me many times. Day one, two days ago, Killing the Witches, he sold 63,000 books. 63,000. So a hearty congratulations to my friend Bill O'Reilly, who just sent me a very nice congratulations text, as did the great Congressman Peter King, as did my guy Tim McCarthy, who needs to get back into radio somehow, some way. I'd like to get Timmy here, to be honest, but I have no authority anywhere. Not at home, not at here, nowhere. Yet you're getting an award. But I'm getting an award, because, yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> but I'm not getting an award for being... For being authoritative in charge. figure. No, not, you're not in charge of anything. Not in charge of anything. No, right. You like to pretend to be one, though. Well, I'm in charge of you, bitch. <laughs> no. Ricky Gold is with uh, Juice Reel. <laughs> yeah. For the award for in charge of the bitch. <laughs> yeah. Here is Sid Rosenberg. Uh, don't forget that. No. Uh, Ricky's on every Friday. we got a big NFL weekend coming up. How about the Lions? I told you earlier, not surprised. Jared got played in the Super Bowl, folks, with the Rams. Got beat by Brady and the Patriots. Then he got dealt to Detroit for Matthew Stafford, who wanted to win a Super Bowl for the Rams. But the Lions were a very good team last year, very good. And they almost made the playoffs under Dan Campbell, who's a great young coach. Forget about Robert Seller with the Jets. You want a great young coach? Look at Dan Campbell in Detroit. Well, they beat the Packers on the road last night, and they're 3-1, and one, and they are for real. But uh, locally, it could be a long weekend. Jets, Kansas City. That's not a fair fight Sunday night in Jersey. And the Giants, I don't know who they are. I think they suck. I do. But they're going to host Geno Smith in Seattle. They're 2-1, and they put up points. So we will see. Ricky Gold with Juice Reel. Ricky, good morning, buddy. How are you? Hey, good morning, Sid. Happy Friday to you and all your listeners out there. Uh, thank you very much. You too. And uh, Joe Takapina, by the way, will join us next. You don't want to miss that. Um, we spoke last week about this Robo Jackson this is an AI Robo Jackson that makes picks on Juice Reel, and he's been going at well over 60%. And I think Robo, Robo had another big weekend last weekend. That is the case, yes? Yes, he did. I mean, where uh, us and everyone on the, the Juice Reel apps watching this all play out in real time with, with Robo Jackson putting two picks out every day at noon. You know, who we it's pretty amazing. You know, when, when you build it, you never really know how good it's going to play uh, in front of everyone using the app. But the uh, first generation of the AI bot went, uh, you know, one around 113 and 95. And now we're at, 
Uh, I think it's about tw- 25 and 17. So it's, it's pretty amazing what we're seeing with this. 25 and 17 is actually great. Most of the touts that I know are not off to a very good start after the first three weeks of the season. Juice Real, J-U-I-C-E, Real, R-E-E-L. And usually uh, Robo Jackson can't come on because he ain't real, but you are. So uh, <laughs> usually you give me two or three picks. We usually involve the local clubs. Again, the Jets are getting nine and a half at home against Kansas City. I'd bet the house on the Chiefs. And the Giants also a dog hosting Seattle Monday night. But I'll leave it up to you, Ricky. Throw me a couple of games that the listeners uh, may want to take part in coming up this weekend, courtesy of Juice Real. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, uh, you know, the Jets versus the Chiefs, I mean, it looks like it's going to be, uh, it sh- on paper, it sounds like it should be a bloodbath uh, headed in the Chiefs' direction, but the uh, early data that uh, our users are seeing in, in the Juice Reel app is leaning a little bit towards the, the Jets to cover that nine uh, and a half. You know how many people told me, you know, the two and a half on Sunday, by the Jets to three against the Patriots, and then that mother effer, Zach Wilson, takes a safety in the end zone to lose by five. You got to be nuts to bet on the Jets. <laughs> I mean, when you lose a game like that, I'm talking about the betting side on a safety, you can never bet that team again. But okay, Juice Real likes the Jets plus the points. I'm on record saying I don't. I think Kansas City wins by at least two touchdowns. What about the Giant game Monday night? Uh, most books have the Giants anywhere between a one and a two point home dog against Geno Smith. And Pete Carroll's two and one Seahawks. What does it say there? It, the Sharpmush data, which is the uh, difference between what side of the game the best bettors are betting on uh, and what side of the game the worst bettors are betting on, it's leaning slightly towards the Seattle Seahawks. I actually like the Seahawks and I like the over. I know the Giants aren't big on scoring points. They had one good half against Arizona in week two, but. It's not a very good Seattle defense, and Gino does score points. So I actually like the uh, Seahawks on the over in that one. You got one more for me? You want to wrap it up? Uh, I got one more for you. It is the uh, in the uh, Cardinals versus the Niners game. Uh, Dave is leaning towards the Cardinals. Uh, I personally <laughs> don't love it, but I mean, it's a uh, we're seeing a strong trend here. But it's going to be something you're going to want to watch uh, as as Sunday starts. Uh, getting a bit closer to see if this trend holds up. Well, but, uh, the Cardinals with the points. Well, and uh, listen, they do cover even two weeks ago when the Giants had that amazing comeback to win in Arizona. The Cardinals still covered the spread. And, of course, last week as large two-touchdown home dogs, they flat-out beat Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. So they have been covering. Now the Niners, as big favorites, They've covered two out of three. I think the Rams game, they were favored by 10. They were up by 10, and the Rams kicked a field goal at the end of regulation. So the Niners, I believe, are two and one against the spread. But I can see the Cardinals. This kid Dobbs playing much better at quarterback than anybody could have imagined. They've been in just about every game. So that's not a crazy pick. So one more time here, Ricky Gold, Juice Real, J-U-I-C-E, Real, R-E-E-L. Where do people get it, and uh, how do they make uh, take advantage of the best app on the market today? Yeah, uh, you get it. Uh, you pick up your phone and go to the uh, App Store or the Play Store if you have an Android, and it's uh, a free app you can download. The whole purpose of the app is to help anyone who's sports betting uh, do what they can to get an edge and uh, give you the best chance to be profitable. That, that's why we built the thing.
All right, Ricky, great job as always. That's Ricky Gold here every Friday and Monday. He'll be back before the Giants-Seahawks game. This is the first week I think there's not two Monday night games. Juice Reel, check it out at your app store today. The man, defense attorney, the most famous and best defense attorney in the world. Just ask Donald Trump. Joseph Tacopina, my dear friend of 46 years, will join us next Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. What you say? Just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Boy. Lululemon. I walk by, and in the window of every Lululemon, there's a sign that says, We don't support racism, sexism, discrimination, or hate. And I'm like, Who gives up? You're just selling yoga pants. I don't need your yoga pants politics. Tell me how you work on ball sweat. Lululemon. They sell $100 yoga pants. They hate somebody. They hate the poor. Oh, no, no, no. Correction. They don't sell $100 yoga pants. They sell $100 non-racist yoga pants. I think I speak for the entire audience tonight. When I say most people in this crowd would prefer... A pair of $20 racist yoga pants. (laughs) I I love that bit. That's uh, the latest Chris Rock concert on Netflix. So when uh, Takapina comes on, we know we're going to talk about. We're friends for 46 years, and he's great on the radio. Great. Best defense attorney in the world. But every now and then he'll send me a story. Be like, hey, let's get into this, you know. A lot of my guests do that. So he sends me a story last night, the fall of Lululemon, how stores surrendered to looters. And I remembered, I saw that Chris Rock piece like uh, six months ago, but I remember he talked about Lululemon because at the time I was living in Battery Park. And the building I was living in while they were fixing my house, thank you, Richcliffe, the building I was living in, was next door to Brookfield Plaza, connected to the Freedom Center, the World Trade Center. And there's a Lululemon there. And I said, you know, Daniel, i got to walk over there and see if there's a sign in the window that says what Chris Rock says it says. And sure enough, right there in the front window, this ridiculous sign. You know who does that? My white Jewish friends in upstate New York in White Lake Homes, these raving lunatics who pander to everybody. And they put signs on their lawns like, racism doesn't live here, as if it lives at my house. Go there, Sid's house, they're okay with it. These are the worst kind of people. Racism doesn't live, of course it doesn't. And he's right. You know I wear Lululemon? I do. It is ridiculously overpriced. So I feel bad for Target, but not ready for Lululemon. Anyway, here he is, the best defense attorney in the country, my friend Joe Tacopina. Joseph, good morning, buddy. How are you? That was hysterical. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want that $20 racist Lululemon pants. <laughs> He's right. So I mean, they funny. got the so balls. Funny. They charge $119 for their pants, Joseph. I mean, it's crazy. You know what you were saying about these sides? It reminds me when, when, when the – Pandemic sort of just started, and we were still on the heels of George Floyd, and there was a lot of stuff going on that was related to protests, or I, I put protests in, in quotation marks, because people were looting 
under the guise of protest, not even knowing what they were protesting, right? Um, New York City was had all these wilding incidents, you recall, where people were just breaking yeah. into cars. And, yeah. you know, you, you, were, you were scared because there was a lot of stuff going on there. So I remember Chad Siegel, my partner, you know Chad, of course, he would yep. drive into the city, park his car, and put these Black Lives Matter signs all through his window, in his windshield, and on his side mirrors. And I said, "What are you doing? What are you talking about?" <laughs> That's car, funny. I to break my car, it's a new car. Yeah. <laughs> it's like unbelievable signs. Yeah. And racism doesn't live here. No kidding. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you have to say that, there's something wrong. Of course, of course. But you know, but the biggest story, of course, that the Post talks about is the fact that. Whether it's a Nordstrom's in San Francisco that's closing, or a, or a Gucci in LA that's closing, or a Target here in New York that's closing, it's no good. And you know, funny, I had the mayor on yesterday, Joseph, and I talked to him about this Target closing and what it meant to New York. It's about two minutes, but I want you to hear it. This is me and Mayor Eric Adams on Target closing here in the Bronx. Lou, this is cut number 23. What the hell is going on in this city that Target is leaving and our daycares are not really daycares. Instead, they're criminal operations. Well, I think we, we should peel back each one of those pieces. First, let's deal with uh, Target. Uh, we're seeing a decrease in shoplifting. I'm a big believer. These habitual shoplifters who are being arrested over and over, we need to ensure that they're prosecuted. Our job is to make the arrest. You know, our laws must reflect uh, how we deal with these habitual shoplifters. That's a real problem. Uh, Deputy Mayor Banks brought together a large number of retailers, uh, uh, prosecutors, the law enforcement, so that we can zero in on it. I believe we're seeing some good results. We have some more things that we want to do to move further. But let's be let's see, let's be honest with this. I want all your listeners, you know, that are part of the I Hate Eric Adams Club, I want them to go Google other cities. Go look at what's happening in other cities in this country. And then look at what's happening in New York. This city has come back. Ninety nine percent of the jobs we lost, we have back. Sixty five million tourists is coming back to the city with predict for this year. We have a double-A bond rating. Homicides are down. Shootings are down. Five of the major crime categories are down. You don't see tents all over our cities and, and encampments all over our city. Subway riders are back. We have reached our height again, 3.6, 3.8 million riders, capping out at 4 million. People are back in their office spaces. Major corporations are coming and opening uh, in the city. Amazon just opened a major uh, headquarters here. This city is humming. And so people who want to wake up every day praying that Eric Adams, the pilot, fails and crashes, you better wake up, man. You're a passenger on this plane called NYC. You better hope I land this damn plane and stop hoping and praying that I fail. The city is back. We're resilient. No matter how many things that have been thrown at us, from COVID to crime to migrant, we continue to thrive, not just survive. I know how well we're doing as a city because I have a damn good team that is fighting for New Yorkers every day. Uh, before I get your uh, take on that two-and-a-half-minute little uh, run there by Eric Adams, there is some breaking news. Senator Dianne Feinstein, she's been in the news quite a bit lately, hasn't been feeling well, and uh, people wanted her to leave politics. She's the longest-serving senator woman in history, she just passed away. So Diane died at the age of 90. 
Kind of sad the way it ended for her because, again, she was in the news often. She couldn't remember things. She forgot what she was doing that day, if she should go to D.C. or not. So Diane Feinstein is dead at the age of 90. Uh, you heard that, uh, Joseph, and um, he made it sound like, yeah, Target is leaving, but everything else is okay. What are your thoughts? Really, because I was in, in Walgreens, I don't know, last week, um, waiting online to actually pay for something that I was purchasing. And two guys came in, went to the cooler section, took out two cases of beer, smiled at the clerk, and walked out of the store. So I don't think um, it's quite as optimistic as, as Mayor Hatz is, is painting it to be. It's, it's, a, it's a looting mentality now. And by the way, I didn't think anyone really wants him plane to crash around like that and him to die. I think he got a little <laughs> carried away with, with the anti-Hadam sentiment there. Yeah. But look, here's the deal. You know, it, it's law and order seems to me to be an important thing, right? And, and, and it's one thing if people want to steal, but for businesses not to mind being stolen from, what like what sane society allows that? You understand Lululemon actually fired two women managers who were trying to prevent theft, not physically. They were being called horrible words like bitches and stuff like that, but they didn't do anything physically other than say, hey, stop, don't do that, where are you going? They didn't do anything to impede the path of these people. They simply called the police. And by calling the police, they didn't get an award for bravery or a thank you or anything like that. They were fired. Fired. Well, they hate the police. So all those progressive companies hate the police. Yeah, great. So you know what? The police should never respond to Lululemon. That's the company's policy. Should never. Wait a second. I got news for you. I've been saying this for for a long time, Joseph Takapina. All these politicians, right? These uh, these hypocrites and liars who have Secret Service people around them all day, all day. They're the same people who want to defund the police. I have said, why can't we? Why can't we draw up some legislation? That if you publicly, like AOC, if you publicly go out there and malign the police, you don't get them. Why can't we do that? Exactly. How did that How did that capital district in Seattle work out there about four years, three, four years ago, where they had a zone, right, that was oh. no police, oh. right? No police. They had warlords inside. And it was like they, people started out being very proud of themselves, very happy. About two weeks in, when the rapes and the robberies and, and these assaults, were happening, and they realized they were living in a lawless, tribal society where the strongest survive and the weakest get chewed up and, and killed and, yep. and abused. You know, all of a sudden the police were important again. It's it's insane, and and the this pro looting sentiment that we have now or had. I mean, you know, I, I heard some people actually tying this, and of course these are left wing radicals saying that it was a matter of redistribution or or reparation. Right, I they mean, deserve are it. You right. They me? deserve are it. Right, right. Like black 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 people have been treated so poorly for so many years, they should be allowed to walk out of some store with a you know with a flat screen TV for three thousand dollars because God damn it, they got it coming right. to them. The, uh, Gavin Newsom, I mean, you know, don't forget, he wants to give $5 million to every black family in California. <laughs> Come I mean, on. I mean, well, I mean, any evidence of anything. Just, I mean, you know, well, you know, but you yeah, talk I, about no evidence of anything, Joseph, and that uh, does uh, give us a nice little smooth transition. To the president. Now, you did come on Wednesday for a couple of minutes, and you were brilliant, as you are so far this morning. And you talked about uh, what Donald Trump has to lose. You know, everybody I speak to, Joe, even guys that don't love Trump, because we know a lot of guys that uh, say they love Trump, they don't. They say the same thing. This one is, forget about the four indictments. Maybe you think number two, number four has some. This he did nothing wrong. In fact, you made the point, one bank alone made over $200 million in interest. They're going after him, his kids, they're taking his properties. He made this city, this state, 
millions and millions and millions of dollars. They got nothing on this guy. I don't care if you hate his guts. This is one of the scariest, one of the scariest things I've ever seen in my 56 years. This is law enforcement abusing power and running amok because, again, there's, if he were Donald Trump, I swear, and I say this not because I, I, I represent him or anything like that. I say this because it's the truth. There's no way this would have been brought as a case. You know, the attorney general doesn't just get involved in private transactions where there's no victim and, and, and no one suffered a penny loss and then nothing's been, been damaged and all of a sudden bring up a – do a three-and-a-half-year investigation and bring up a, a massive fraud case spending – hundreds of millions of dollars on this, okay? Never happens unless someone's making a complaint. But, of course, Deutsche Bank, the lender here, the main lender, profited, as you just said, $200 million on these loans. They did their own valuations of the property. So here's the – that's the – people seem to just gloss over this. When I read all these articles, especially those, you know, of course, the, the Hill or all those super left-wing articles, they gloss over the fact that these were valuations that are very subjective. Trump's organization – sent a disclaimer page on the front saying, we believe this is worth $100 million. Here, here, Deutsche Bank, do your own valuation on that. Um, you determine what it's worth. They hire Clifton Wakefield, the bank. Clifton Wakefield does an independent evaluation and comes up with the same valuations. And that's called fraud. What you just heard is exactly how it happened, and that's called fraud. It is so ridiculous, and it feeds into the notion that he's being singled out and there's a double standard of law. And that's that's what – there's damage in these cases, and people don't understand. Look, you have a case against him. Bring your case. Bring a case, a real case. That's fine. He'll fight it. He won't fight it. Whatever happens, happens. But a case like this where the person who's bringing the case – when she was a private individual, ran a campaign based on, I'm going to get Trump. How did you know you were going to get Trump if you were a private individual and you didn't have access to law enforcement records, if you didn't have access or subpoena power? You just knew you were going to get him. You had an instinct. And then they go bring a case like this. You know, mortgage lenders have said across the board, I've, I've spoke to so many in, in when I was thinking about getting involved in this case, who said they would have given these loans for free. Because they get to say they represented Donald Trump or did business with them at the time that the Trump real estate name was was the best in the world. So it's 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 mind boggling. It's really really mm-hmm. mind boggling. Mm-hmm. And the valuations that they're talking about are well, of course. I mean, I know at one point they, I mean, they, they evaluated Mar-a-Lago at eighteen million. It's worth three hundred million. So in Trump's favor, and is, is this thing going to start? Yeah, is this thing going to start as early as Monday? I know they're trying to delay yes. it. What's yes? And no, no, no. So that's the thing here. Where this is just. It gets more interesting every day. So yesterday, the appellate court, you know, President Trump sued to prevent this trial from going forward and then sued the judge and, and tried to take this off the tracks. Um, the appellate court yesterday said, nope, you're good to go. And, and this mm. thing is starting. So this is starting, mm. supposedly starting on Monday. Um, and it's on the issue of just the amount, the penalties, because the judge, who's also the jury in this case, has already found liability. He's already found fraud. He's made his factual finding. Now it's sort of the penalty phase of, of the case. And that's what this is happening. That's what's going to happen. It is, um, it's, it's, it's surreal. What also is surreal is, is Donald Trump's on the witness list. Now, if I were representing him in this case, I would, do anything but let him near that courtroom. I was going to ask you, does him and his two sons have to be there? Yeah, but they don't have to be there. It's a civil case, so they never have to be present in the civil case. None of us do. You don't have to be in court. In the criminal case, it's not an optional limitation. You're there every single day or a bench warrant issued for your arrest. In a civil case, it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to appear in a civil case. But if you're subpoenaed to testify, 
you have to appear. Mm. Um, and if you don't, then there's something called an adverse inference, which just, you know, further cements the, but look, we, this is a fait accompli. This is a judge who's made it clear he hates, he hates Trump. Mm. He hates this organization. He said yeah. they're, they're fraudsters. He listened to his deposition testimony in this case, the president's deposition testimony, and said it's full of holes. It's ridiculous. It's not credible. So he's already found him to be a liar. So there's no scenario where Donald Trump testifying in this case helps him. It just further solidifies the, the, the notion right. that he's going to get run over. And Got more it. importantly, he's under four indictments. He's under four indictments. So so you don't think the judge is going to allow the AG to get into his the credibility? Of course. Because any witness credibility is subject to cross-examination. They get to ask him about the, the January 6th claims no, yeah. or the documents. No, There's no way no, he can testify no, here. No, There's no way. No, he can't. It's a fait complete this case. Uh, 60 seconds to go. Another great conversation, Joseph. Uh, is it true that Trump is not trying now to move his Georgia case to federal court? It's true. Um, it's true. And it's not because he doesn't want to be in federal court. OK, now, now his, his Georgia lawyer put out a nice statement about we fully believe that this court, the Georgia court, will will protect um, President Trump's constitutional rights and guarantee him a fair trial and due process. Um, that's a nice way of trying to throw the judge a kiss. The fact of the matter is, you know, five other co-defendants tried to move their case to federal court. The judge who was overseeing the federal court judge, Judge Jones, ruled against Meadows, for example, um, and was almost ridiculing the attempt to move it to federal court. And, and you know, Trump's Georgia lawyers were there. And and so it, it, why why make a move on something that is another clear loser? And and whether it's right or wrong, there's no way to, again, this case move to federal court. So I, I think that strategy was a good one to, you know, by, by, by Trump's Atlanta lawyer to say, hey, um, we're not going to seek to remove this. We believe in you, Your Honor. We believe in the fairness of this court that you'll you'll guarantee due process. And I think that's really mm. what this is about. Because making this motion move this mm. federal court would be, be like making a motion to have the case dismissed and having uh, Fannie Willis throw in handcuffs. <laughs> right. Absolutely not work. Yeah, right. So why file a losing motion? Yeah. I, I, you know, that's the yeah. bottom line. Joseph, you're amazing. You're great, and uh, it's clear every time you're on why Donald Trump chose you. I'm being honest, and uh, I've known you for 46 years, and every time you're on, you make me more proud and impress me. So I love you. Great job. We'll do it again next week. Okay, buddy? Okay, my brother. Excellent job, Joseph Takapina. That wraps up our number three. Again, uh, the breaking news, which did take place during that great conversation with Joseph, Senator Dianne Feinstein, the longest-running female senator in the history of this country. She passed away today at the age of 90. I'm sure Noam has more on that. Hour number four, sitting friends in the morning, about to come your way. Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. There's a light. A certain kind of light.
Love somebody, the Bee Gees, 917. Got this big afternoon coming up, brunch, lunch, whatever you want to call it, down at Chelsea Piers. Really a huge deal for WABC to get these eight awards, including us winning Best Morning Show. And it's like the worst weather day ever, like ever. It looks insane outside. Like, I, I, I see it rains. Obviously, it's been raining pretty much for five days. You had one decent day in between. And I know Sunday's going to be gorgeous and Tuesday and Wednesday, 80 and sunny. But it's basically been raining for five days. But the rain comes and goes. This is like a monsoon for like three straight hours. Is it never going to stop? It's supposed to be like this all day? It is. Tomorrow, it's supposed yeah. to be like this most of the day, on and off and then into tomorrow morning. Yeah, but when I say like this, I mean it's coming down heavy. Yeah, well, the prediction is for some parts two to three inches of rain, which is a lot of rain. Jeez. So how are we going to do this? Uh, get from here to Chelsea Piers without, I mean, I'm wearing a nice pair of slacks and, and a nice dress shirt and a red sport jacket. That's fine. The heavy stuff's not coming for a while. That sounds like the movie <laughs> Caddyshack to me. <laughs> That's Caddyshack uh, right uh, there. Plus, I got my golf clubs we have to carry. To <laughs> I was smart about it. I brought a raincoat to drape over my blazer. I should have done that. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. I have a beautiful Calvin Klein raincoat that I got at uh, the garage, my guy Anthony in Brooklyn. There you go. And I, I forgot it because I, it was too well, hot out. Well. But, um, Lou, I guess you'll bring the van up right to the front. And... Oh, of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't, think, you don't think I'm walking around the corner. I already knew that. It's, I know. I already no, no, you're bringing the I'm van doing. up to the front. There's nobody on the road anyway. No. It's I'll, dead I'll, here. And when it's very clear, I'll drive up on the sidewalk right to the door. <laughs> no, no. Don't what, worry. No, no. What's going to happen is, wise ass, is you'll bring the van around and then Justin... And maybe even Kevin Droge. I don't know. What's happening here? Gonna, yeah, God, now you're involved. Here yeah. it comes. I'm not like, they're going to they're well, hold up in an umbrella. No, <laughs> I don't. You have two working arms and hands. They're going to hold up an umbrella <laughs> and make sure it's over my head. Right. And then I'm going to enter the car and make sure I don't get wet. Hey, who, who are uh, you, James Brown? Yeah, a, like, what's going rapper? on here? What are you t- I'm the guy that's making this day possible for all of you. Okay. Don't forget you had careers before this, and every one of you were about to call it quits. Yeah. Every get, one of you. You got me there. Right. I got Noam, I got Lou, and, and uh, Justin over here was running the board for weekend shows. Yeah, I, <laughs> I didn't even know his name here. The first time I talked to Chad about Justin, he called him Jack. <laughs> not even kidding you. No, so that, you're going to hold believe. the damn umbrella. You're going to pull the car around. I'm going to do whatever the hell I ask you. I don't even have an umbrella. Do you have an umbrella? Do I need an umbrella? Have you Do you lookouts? have one? Do you have one? I have three of them. I'm sure oh. it's I'm sure it's going to come in handy in this. Look at it. <laughs> need an umbrella. Well, my uh, three umbrellas are at home, so. Oh, so you didn't bring one? Well, no, they're at home right now. Okay, so me asking you, do you have an umbrella, was really just, do you have an umbrella on you today? Right well, now? you didn't ask me that. Okay. I have three umbrellas. Well, I don't have one. 
I don't have one here. Okay. So, so your job now, doing the break I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. And you're going to go into all of these offices, no. and you're no. going to steal somebody's yeah. umbrella. Yeah. Okay. Because looting, as, right. as, it, as it's become very, very clear, whether it's Christidis, Lululemons, or Nordstrom's, uh-huh. looting is not only legal now in New York, it's encouraged. Sure. Yeah. So you're going to walk into somebody's yeah. office, steal a damn umbrella, and make sure it's sit, it's nice and, and dry. Mm. <laughs> Can you imagine a scene? We pull up, and we're just getting sit out. The cameras are going to be going, hey, who's coming out of that car? Yeah. we got two umbrellas, and you're well, on you your You make phone. it sound like if it's me, it's going to be a huge disappointment. No. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that? No. Uh, nothing. Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Oh, it's I think it's Taylor Swift's manager. Let's yeah. get a shot. Click, 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 click. <laughs> He's got to be somebody important. Uh-huh. they got three umbrellas. Uh-huh. <laughs> Taylor, you're going to MetLife this weekend. You're going to MetLife this weekend. You're going to MetLife this weekend. <laughs> How did you know her? How did you know her? When did you come in contact? <laughs> you know, it's all funny. I remember uh, being on that side uh, of the uh, equation. Here, your side, you know. Right. Then oh, the, oh. the only the, po- <laughs> oh, the, lower yeah. side, the regular people's side, yeah, right, right? The regular people. Right. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. And oh. uh, the only difference is the players were different. Lou was one of them still, but I was there, and Bernard, and Rob, and Larry, and uh, Mike, or whatever. And uh, we would do the same thing to uh, Imus. And uh, the Iman would just complain all day about how really unappreciative uh, you guys, uh, us, what do you mean you guys, me, all of us were. But what he had done for all of us. And then all that would do would, would encourage everybody to even beat him up even more. Right. And it made for great radio, but it was very, very Fun. disrespectful. Fun. Uh-huh. So now, oh. Are you upset? So the I man was right all these years because now I'm going through the same exact damn thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the I-Man basically made all those guys, including me, to a certain extent, although my talent has nothing to do with him. Nothing. Zero. He didn't even want me back in 2016. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going but, we're um, back and forth here. here. Yeah. <laughs> but now I, I, now I feel bad for the, for the bastard. I mean, he's dead. But... Like a slinky. Well, yeah. You know, sometimes it has to happen to you. You know how that goes. Everybody's okay with bail reform until it's their house that gets broken into, or God forbid, their child that's murdered. Then all of a sudden, oh my God, it ain't no good no more. Well, I got good news for you. <laughs> yeah, I just um, we're getting emergency alerts on our phones right now. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Flood, flood warning is in effect yeah. until twelve thirty. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. oh 30, the flood warning stops. This is dangerous and life-threatening situation. That's <laughs> literally what it says. Well, how is that good news? Uh, no, I'm, I was joking. Oh, it's my not. God, because the, if you know, the event started at 2 o'clock, that would be good news. But it starts at 12. So we have to leave here in the 11 o'clock hour while it's still, a, as you put it, a deadly situation. Do not attempt to travel unless you are fleeing an area. <laughs> <laughs> or under an evacuation. It's on your phone, too. Unless it's on your phone. Unless it's not, because your phone's from 2003. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No, I do have it. Yeah. Emergency alert. National Weather Service. A flash flood warning is in effect. This is a dangerous and life-threatening situation. God, there are cars. Underwater. Do not attempt yeah. to travel unless you are fleeing and Harry. I get the same thing. Right, it's good. Instead of getting the Mr. Rosenberg, please update your phone to get the emergency alert. <laughs> yeah. please. it's bad. Aye, aye, aye. My God, <laughs> you, I I would have to drive in this, so you're a, you're going to be fine if we go. <laughs> what do you mean if we go? 
If we can make it, look at it. Oh, calm down. Oh, we're going to make it. Yeah, I know. We, if we can fine. make it. It'll be totally fine. I'm not worried about it. Oh, listen to all the non-drivers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to be fine. We'll make it. Mm-hmm. Well, give yourself some extra time. What time were you planning on leaving today to take okay, me well, there? I, originally, we were planning at like 11.15. Yeah, that's too late. Okay. Because this is a life-threatening situation. So we'll leave at 11. We have to leave at 11. Okay. So whoever's running the board for you... Uh, Lou, whoever's doing whatever job you do, I don't know what you do, Justin. Whoever's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, those people need to be here before 11 o'clock. So just text Chad or John or somebody. And because now, now we are dealing with a life threatening situation. Yeah. Yeah. That when I saw that, it actually that says is. it actually says yes. that to Lou's point on the phone. He's not even kidding. All right. Listen, we got to talk to Tom Holman. He's a very interesting guy, this guy. Trump loves him. And nobody in the country, listen to me, nobody in the country knows more about the border than him. And tonight, my buddy Joe the Box, you know I love Joe the Box. He's got this beautiful warehouse. I've been there twice. I love it. I really do. It's all the way out there in, um, what is the name of that place on Long Island? Monconcoma. You couldn't get to Monconcoma today if you had an ark. Uh, but it's a wonderful place. And Joe did a great job. And I was there for the Zelda rally and some other events. And tonight they're holding a fundraiser for my friend Rudy Giuliani, which is actually very, very nice. And Joe the Box, and I'm sure Andrew and Tom Holman, they're all going to be there. So we will talk to Tom about tonight's fundraiser for Rudy and, of course, the issue with the border. All that and more with Tom Holman during this life-threatening situation. <laughs> On Sid and Friends in the morning, the BGs will be right back. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. I screwed up. We played that uh, great PG song last segment. Great song. But one of my best buddies is a guy named Frankie Kravitz. Frankie is a big-time jeweler on Staten Island. His daughter, Kimberly, is a big TV star. When he's 12 out in Jersey, he's somehow he's related to Frank Morano. I don't know. Everybody's related to Frank Morano. And uh, we've gotten close over the years, me and Danielle, with Frank and his family. And it turns out today is his mom's birthday. And his mom, he compares favorably to my mother, Naomi. His mom's name is Fanny. And we've been playing that song oh, by the Bee Gees. That's what I thought you were going to Yeah, yeah. Fanny is uh, 87 years old, and uh, she loves me, and Frankie loves me, and his beautiful wife, and Kimberly, the whole crew. Oh, we'll play it later. We'll play it later. Happy right. 87th Easy. birthday to Fanny. Happy, happy. My next guest is brought to you by the great Pete Morgan. We love him, too. Peerless Boilers. Check them out today, PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. They do build the world's best boilers. Got a big event coming up later on tonight at the First American Warehouse, Joe the Box's place. 
Maybe America's first. I, I always forget the uh, the order of the uh, the words. But regardless, here's uh, Tom Holman. Tom, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Uh, doing very, very well. What uh, what are we looking at tonight? There's a big event for Rudy Giuliani. I know the president had a nice event for Rudy in Bedminster before he went back to Mar-a-Lago. And we've had all kinds of uh, events for Rudy as of late. And why not? I love Rudy Giuliani like my own father. What are you guys doing at the America First Warehouse tonight? Well, the America Warehouse tonight is going to be a, a big a big celebration, a celebration of one of the greatest mayor in, in United States history and helping them because, uh, as you know, the, the left is attacking them. They're trying to destroy, destroy him and destroy everything he's ever done. So uh, there's a big group tonight at Joe the Box at the American First Warehouse, which if you've never been there, you need to go because Joe the Box, I, I've met a, a more of an American patriot in my life. He spends a lot of his own personal money trying to, fight the left and trying to fight for patriotism, and I think tonight's event would be great. I'm actually attending virtually because I had a calendar conflict, but this isn't the last event we're going to do for Rudy. I'm going to make it up there in the next couple of weeks and, and see what more we can do, but we need to fight for Rudy because when we fight for Rudy, you're fighting for the best of America. So it would be a big event. So I'm, I, People need to get out of there. America First Warehouse, Joe the Box has a great setup there. I, I've been there several times. I've never seen a better pro-America, pro-Trump facility in my life. It's a great place to visit. He's also yeah, leave there and, and help Rudy out and, and get some T-shirts. And you'll see that Joe the Box can talk about Border 911. That's a nonprofit. I started Border 911, not looking to make a dime, just looking to, to educate the American people. We got one year. We got one year. So when people get to the, the voting booth, they vote for Border security, and, and and we're going to spend next year telling how come border security is so important to them. Well, I couldn't agree more. In fact, uh, we've had these rallies in Brooklyn the last couple of weeks, and Joe the Box was kind enough to show up and uh, interviewed me, in fact, at one of them. And we're talking about these illegals, some call them migrants, come so, uh, asylum seekers, all this nonsense. These illegals coming to all of our boroughs, and it all goes back to one thing, which you just mentioned, Tom, which is the border, which is wide open. I mean, again, even just yesterday, even yesterday, AOC and these Democrats lying about border security. They were mocking the GOP just yesterday about the border security. Yet AOC was the one who only five years ago compared the, the, uh, you know, the, the places down in Texas to Nazi concentration camps. That's what a low life she is. So border security is the reason why all of our cities are being destroyed, destroyed as we speak today. So the question is, Tom, uh, Joe Biden needs to close the borders. Is that the only answer? Is that it? No, you know, like, first of all, AOC is a moron, right? We can all agree to that. And she doesn't all tell us what's going on. But bottom line is, the border is affecting every town, city, and state in this country. Every, 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 every town, city, and state in this country is seeing fentanyl. It isn't just about illegal immigration anymore, and that's what she don't understand. When you cause a crisis, this big man-made crisis, Biden meant to do this. This isn't incompetence. This isn't mismanagement. He ran on open borders, and that's what we have. But you overwhelmed the border. As a matter of fact, yesterday in Eagle Pass, Texas, they had so many people they had, they had in custody, they were overwhelmed. They pulled every single border patrol agent off patrol. The 200 miles of border was unguarded because they had to pull every agent in to process the overflow. They, they had 11,000 illegal crossings the day before yesterday. They had 10,000 yesterday. You know, the first year in Joe Biden, we had a record. We went from the most secure border in my lifetime under President Trump. Within months, we went from the most secure border 
the historic record low illegal immigration to historic highs. The first year, Joe Biden had 1.7 million illegal entries. Second year, he, he shredded that by 2.4, another historic record. And this year, we're going to shred it again. We're at a third historic record-breaking year on illegal immigration. But the point that people need to understand, it's just not about illegal immigration. You overwhelm the border patrol where an average of 70% of agents are pulled off the line to deal with this humanitarian crisis. That's when the fentanyl comes in that killed over 100,000 Americans. That's when the sex trafficking of women and children happen. That's when the known inspected terrorists get into the country. The border patrol has arrested people from 171 different countries. Some of these countries are sponsored for terror. They've arrested 264 people off the terrorist watch list. We got 1.8 million known gotaways. These are people calling camera traffic, drone traffic, sensor traffic. 1.8 million people entered this country, weren't arrested, weren't fingerprinted. We don't know who they are or where they're at. If you don't think a single one of them came from a country that sponsored terror, then you're an idiot. This is the biggest national security failure I've seen in this country since 9-11, and AOC don't understand it. I think a lot of the Dems understand it, but they won't speak up because they're backing up Joe Biden with this, with this surge on the border, which is hurting every town, city, and state this nation. It's disgusting. By the way, Joe Biden is full of crap because Joe Biden, Barack Obama, Chuck Schumer, all the folks that are allowing this to happen today, maybe even encouraging it, letting it happen on purpose even Hillary Clinton, you know this, Tom, they asked for secure closed borders like 10 years ago. 10 years ago, all of them talked about closing the borders, and now 10 years later, because, well, that's what Donald Trump did. They all decided that whatever he did well, they're going to go against, and now Joe Biden takes over and decides, I'm going to unravel all the great work that Trump did, remain in Mexico, Title 42, build the wall, and go the complete opposite direction and you're right. Now we've got uh, terrorists and fentanyl and all these things coming into our country almost on a uh, well, almost on a on a daily basis. You would think, Tom, that that alone, that alone, forget about Ukraine, Russia, forget about the economy, which is a mess. Democrats want you to believe it's going well because inflation's down to three percent. That's still a high number. Interest rates are ridiculous. The economy's a mess. That one alone, though, the border. And the danger it brings to this country, you would think that would be enough to get Donald Trump back in office all by itself, wouldn't you? Absolutely right. And I, 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 I truly believe he's going to be our next president. I have had numerous conversations with President Trump. I gave him my word. He comes back. I come back. And I'll run the biggest deportation operation this country's ever seen. Because these men. Well, let me stop you for a second. So, so is Donald Trump, uh, or because I think Joe the Box told me this too. So Donald Trump basically has promised you that if, how about this, when he wins, you will work in his administration. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll run the biggest deportation operation this country ever seen because these millions of people being released in the country by Joe Biden. The data is clear. Immigration court data says nine out of ten of them will not get asylum because they simply don't qualify. They, they, they came across the country to get a job or whatever. But they're not really seeking, they're not really fleeing fear and persecution from the homeland. And they're not going to be able to prove that in court. Nine out of ten will be ordered removed. But they're going to hide out, wait for the next amnesty program. I got a message for them. Don't get too comfortable because when Trump gets back in the White House, I'll be back and we're going to run the largest deportation operation in the history of the country. We're going to make sure those orders that are issued by the federal judges of deportation are going to be carried out because if, no, if there's no consequence to illegal behavior, it's not going to stop. And, and, and your point just earlier, you're exactly right. 
Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, they all voted for border walls in a secure a border secure fence act back in 2006. They all thought border walls were smart. Now they now they say border walls don't work just because Joe uh, because uh, uh, President Trump was successful in building 465 miles of wall. And let me tell people something. Look up the data. Every place they built the wall, every single place they built the wall. Illegal immigration went down. Illegal drug flow went down. Where are the illegal aliens and drugs flowing right now? Well, there's not a wall. It makes perfect sense, and that's what the data tells us. So you're exactly right. These people are playing games. They, they supported border security, but now they don't because Please. Donald Trump yep. was that's right. Way. Well, listen, these are the same people that want to defund the cops and have more detailed security than most than anybody could have, quite frankly, walking amongst us on a daily basis. They're hypocrites, they're liars, and they're all destroying this country. Anyway, uh, I wish you guys, you and Joe, the best of luck tonight. I love Rudy. His son Andrew was on, he's on every Friday, uh, just a couple of hours ago. I love Rudy like my own relative. I wish him the best. So good luck with your event uh, later on tonight, Tom, and keep talking, man. We need your voice out there, and I look forward to the day in the very near future where Donald Trump is back on Pennsylvania Avenue, and you, my friend, are back in the White House. Thank you so much. You got it. Thanks for having me. All right. Tom Holman right here on Sitting Friends in the Morning. Talk Radio 77. WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. So I just get a text from uh, Gina, who works here in social media. Great kid, great kid. Love her whole family. Brother Rocco, Mom Danielle, they're all great. She works with uh, Doug and Stephanie. You know. She goes, this is the best Guns N' Roses song ever, and I agree. You know, that's my favorite by far. By far, it's a stupid jungle song and the rest of that nonsense. God. Oh, God, that's, that's a horrible song. 
They're it really is. Welcome to the Jungle is a terrible song. They're overrated anyway. But... Oh, Slash is, and Slash is an amazing guitarist. Okay, he's amazing. But, but, but this guy's not a great singer by any stretch. When he shows up. Right, but this song is fantastic. Yeah, this song is well It's done. their best. November rain, of course, it's it's a September rain, but it doesn't, doesn't matter. It's raining. Yes. Makes yes. sense. I love the song. You guys will be able to leave here with me and go to this uh, awards brunch or what? I guess we'll find out. Well, uh, really Phil, Phil is coming in for Justin. Who's coming in for you? I think, well, Pedro. Kevin could do it. He's here. So you're good to go. I, yeah, you know. No, 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 yeah. No, that's it. Kevin Drosh is a man of many talents. Right. And no stranger to the dinner table, by the way. Oh, you had to add that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's raining back well, after this. Well, you could have began it with that. <laughs> WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. So I get by with a little help from my friends. Guns and Roses and the Doors. This is one of the greatest songs ever, too. Riders on it. This whole band was great. Yeah, you know who did a good job here, too? I never mentioned him. It's Val Kilmer. He was great as Jim Morrison and the Doors. Great. Did you like him? Uh, yes, I liked the. It was he portrayed him as a mess pretty well. Yeah, that, well, that's yeah. what he was. I mean, yeah, that's why he I hated. I hated that stupid movie Bohemian Rhapsody because. Uh, and the kid won the Academy Award, Rami Malek. He was fine. He looked like Freddie Mercury, but it was a stupid movie. I mean, Freddie's whole life was cocaine, midgets, and anal sex. Well, they, that was his whole life. Well, they started to go into a little bit of that. Oh, uh, very too, too little. Well, too you, little. Well, you should. You can blame Brian May. Because well, I know the band said no. I know. Well, yes, and but don't make the movie. Okay, fine. But people did go to see it. They yeah, want to see. Not only they go Queen. see it. Uh, Jill Vitale thinks it's the best movie ever. I'm no. like, are you dumb? No, but it was interesting to see how they made. No, it songs. wasn't. It was not, stupid. Okay. You didn't you didn't like how they made Bohemian Rhapsody? How they made the song? How he had them in the booth doing that? So, well, Freddie Mercury's all idea. If I had a bat right now, I'd you rush into me? your studio right now and bash you over the head with a bat. Okay, well then who's going to drive you? That's why I'm not going to do it. Do, 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 there was nothing good to think about the movie. It was stupid. And I saw Live Aid the first time. I didn't need to watch 30 minutes of them doing the same stupid song I saw back in 1985. No, you have no soul. It was you a know, horrible movie. The only movie worse than that was the Elton John movie, well, I, Rocket I, Man. I, I wouldn't see that. He's the greatest ever, Elton oh, John. God, I wouldn't have seen that. You want to know an interesting thing about this band, The Doors? Not really. Okay. 
Well, what they, do you have? Seriously? They didn't play. They didn't use a bass player. You know, they didn't. They well, didn't. Ray Manzarek played a little bass too, I believe. On the keyboards. Oh, that's true. Good point. Yes. Yeah. He used his other. He one hand to play the bass parts. You're, you're like a genius. Well, that's why I wanted to tell you. There's going to be a movie based upon that. I think Rami Malek is going to. Play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> seriously, you really are a genius. Okay. I'll be driving. That's, so why we're, that's why we're number one, because of stuff like that. I mean, I, I'm going to be driving in this. Let's see how much of a genius I am today. Actually, looks like it let up a little bit just now. Yeah, so. see, it's getting clear. Yeah. Where are my golf clubs? <laughs> I still see that scene. Bill Murray and the priest in Caddyshack. Anyway, it's been a great show today. Today was fun. It was, you know, we had a lot of serious stuff on the show today. But we had a lot of laughs. And, and, um... And I mean this when I say this, you know, when we have to get serious about something, we're great at it, not because of us, because we get these unbelievable guests, right? Whether it's O'Reilly or Tacopino or Trump or Adams, doesn't matter. But this morning show has an extraordinary amount of fun on the air. And um, I believe nobody gives you more quips about more things, whether it's sports or music or pop culture, than we do. And that makes the show fun. That makes it go very, very quickly. This show flew by. And the music, I mean, we could sell this soundtrack and, and take the money and give it to charity. It's that good, which is mostly Lou. I do some of it. I do, but it's mostly Lou. So you guys are amazing. Lou, you're amazing. Justin, hardest working producer in the business. This guy cuts up sound at 2 o'clock in the morning, books almost all the guests, does the sports, and he's great on the air. And he's the most loyal guy you'll ever meet. And I love working with him. And Noam, and this I really say with a tremendous amount of confidence, Noam is the best news guy in New York. You could have 10-10 wins. You could have CBS 880. I don't care. I worked at 10-10 wins. I love Ben Mevrak. Noam's better. You put this team together, and it's no surprise we're number one. And Joe Nolan, the best traffic guy in the business, funny, great sports guy, five of us. Five of us, and I'm proud of all of you. So we're going to leave and um, go out this life-threatening situation and collect a much-deserved award and come back with you at 6 o'clock on Monday morning. So until then, from all of us to all of you, first of all, be careful out there. Seriously, be careful. Have yourselves a safe weekend. Peace! With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.